Wrestling Geeks Thank you so much, Fink. Glad you come over here and uh, hang out, even though you're a ghost. We miss you. Oh, hey, how are you guys doing out there? Another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. I know it's been a little while. Um, you know, me, me and Chris are both very busy men. I had a wedding in uh, California that I had to go to. And, um, you know, uh, it, 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 was, it was stuff. But we're back right before SummerSlam. To preview the show, a couple news items, a couple things here and there. But, as always, I couldn't do the show without me. My co-host and good friend, Christopher, Brother Ray Patton. How you doing, sir? Doing great, man. How was your time out at the wedding? How was, uh, how was the Californicating out there in L.A.? Well, thank God I, stay, I, I stayed basically away from, like, L.A., L.A., for the most part, in Hollywood, I went to the Whiskey a Go Go, but that was the only time. So I basically was in um, Venice Beach area, and then I went to uh, Little Tokyo, checked that out for the first time, which was awesome. And uh, then went to Malibu uh, for after the wedding. Um, my buddy Alex, who got married, um, rented out like a, a place with a pool in the backyard, and we partied for uh, a couple nights and. Uh, yeah, that um, took up pretty much two weeks of recovery for me because I'm an old man and I can't drink like that anymore. So. <laughs> well, congratulations to, say that. <laughs> congratulations to your friend Alex. It's been a while since I've been out to the old L.A., but it, it's I ended up going out there probably, we'll say, once every two years because we have a, uh, a district that I work with out there, LAUSD, the big one that recently – had the whole strike and everything that was going on. So I actually thought I was going to have to go out there this summer, but uh, ended up not doing that. But last time I was there, um, a good fr a friend of ours that we know from back in the karaoke days, Remington, was living out in West Hollywood. So I got to go to West Hollywood and kind of go to the big Sam Ash and the, the big guitar center that's there, kind of one of the originals. And that was really, really cool. But outside of that, every other time I've been to L.A., I've had a completely terrible, <laughs> miserable time uh, staying down near the Staples Center, uh, which is near where the district office is. So. I'm glad that it sounds like you you kind of were out of the city. Did you have to drive while you were there, or did you uh, Uber pretty nope. much everywhere? Nope, and there was a lot of options for marijuana. Not that I spoke <laughs> Hey, it's legal in California. You can talk about it. <laughs> we allowed to talk about it on the air in Georgia? Ah, fuck it. I don't care. We're adults. <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I just really am happy that I, I stayed away from Hollywood and uh, downtown L.A. I've seen it. I think back in 2007, it was a lot of fun. I just didn't want to really personally see a homeless person take a shit in front of me. So, uh, yeah. And uh, Venice is always interesting, man. Venice Beach. But um, 
there's some there's some definitely nice places in California. Downtown LA is not what I would consider one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean the first time you like, you know, growing up here in Georgia, especially me kind of being from, you know, Hall County, Georgia, much like uh much Chill like Mr. <laughs> AJ Styles. Uh, that was the first time I had ever seen a tent city, and I lived in Newark uh, for a year and a half, two years. Um, but the first time you go to L.A. and you see like a tent city and you see how that the downtown area tries to treat the homeless by putting out like in window seals, they put like anti sleeping measurements for homeless people, like these little like triangular bumps on window seals and stuff. And that was just kind of a shocking thing to see being like a good old country boy. I uh, go into LA for the first time, but it is, it is a very unique place. Traffic sucks. Uh, if you ever have to go there, listeners out there, for some reason, if you don't already live out there, um, I would definitely recommend not getting a rental car, <laughs> like try to Uber everywhere. It's going to be miserable. It's going to take you fucking 40 minutes to go 10 miles. If you go, it's ridiculous. Busy. We ended up missing a good chunk of the wedding because we didn't realize that driving like three miles away would cost us 45 fucking minutes. But, um, yeah, that's that's awesome. People in Atlanta don't need to complain about fucking traffic. That's all I got to say. I hate it and it's it sucks. And I've been stuck in it many times, but it ain't got shit on Los Angeles. Yeah. And, and most of the traffic that we have here is actually interstate traffic. Like, L.A., when you're in that downtown area, it, it can take you, like, fucking 30 minutes to go three miles to get to, like, a movie theater. Yeah. It's, it's fucking ridiculous. Like, uh, on the way back from Remington's house, it took me almost an hour to get home in an Uber ride, and the hotel was, like, seven miles away. So, <laughs> it's just fucking nuts. It's a special place, man. It's, it's, a, it's a unique piece of America. Kind of makes you wonder what it what it's like, like the big cities are like in other places. Like, is it like that if you're in London, for instance? Is it the same kind of thing? Because I've never been to London, but like, I wonder if it's uh, or or you know, it like in Japan, is it like that if you go to like Osaka? <laughs> is it like kind of the same vibe? Yeah, or Tokyo for that matter, which I'm obsessed with eventually going to. I, I am going to go to Tokyo one day. Definitely will. Yeah, uh, we need to really start looking into that and go to one of these Wrestle Kingdoms where they do like the package deal where it, it, you could like can share a room and it's like the flights included, the tickets to Wrestle Kingdom, and then they all all the wrestling fans stay at one hotel. That sounds like it'd be a hell of a lot of fun. That would be awesome, man. And um, you know, I kind of told you that's what I would love to do for my 40th, which is coming up in a couple of years. God, I'm going to be 38 this year. That's crazy. So. I plan on going to Japan. Part of it is because I definitely want to go to Wrestle Kingdom. And then part of it's just because I love the culture and kaiju movies and anime and fucking all the other crazy stuff that they're known for. And I just think the people themselves are very, very proper and respectful. So, and I love the architecture, all that shit basically rolled in. I think it's, it's Italy and Japan. Those are the two places. Italy because. Well, I'm a Guido, so uh, you know, I gotta go back to the motherland and just <laughs> Coliseum or some shit, whatever the fuck we do. Um take the gondola <laughs> ride. Uh but yeah. Yeah, I, I, I wanna go specifically when I go to Japan, I wanna ride that stupid ass roller coaster that they have in the middle 
of the city. And then I also want to go to Super Potato, which is like a big classic video game, um, retro video game store where they sell like shit that you can only get in Japan. So I know I'm going to spend a fuck ton of money there. And then uh, I also just want to go into one of those pachinko casinos that they have just to see what it's like, because I've heard it's absolutely insane in those places with the way like people smoke and play pachinko and how loud it is. I just kind of want to experience that. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then also, you know, see, seeing the Rainmaker himself in Japan, that's kind of, that would be very fucking special. So it's definitely something on my bucket list to do as well. And if I could do it with a good bro like you, maybe we'll do a podcast from the hotel or something in Japan. That sounds like yeah. a hell of a lot of fun. We'll, we'll release it right after we're done with it, and then it'll be at, like, what, 5 o'clock in the fucking morning in the U.S.? <laughs> yeah. Or 2 or some shit, but yeah. No, I'm, I, I, that would be a lot of fucking fun. We'll have to make it happen instead of just talking about it. But uh, we've got a little while, at least for me, if we're going to do the whole 40th thing. Got a, got a couple more years. I guess um, we, should, we should do our, our, our small segment of, uh, you know, what, what, what have you been watching um, which I always enjoy, and I'll throw a couple things at you. You said London. I am half of the first season into Peaky Blinders. I finally started watching it, and you know, Boris, I know you're not going to hear this. You're right. I should have started watching it about five years ago. Really good fucking show. Cillian Murphy's awesome. No, I have not seen Oppenheimer. I was going to go last week. Me and my good buddy Nick Smith, that you know, um. But we went to a bar and uh, had a couple margaritas and some Mexican and then realized it was three and a half hours. And we were like, you know what? We could just wait. We don't have to see it on 60 millimeter and fucking IMAX. And uh, I, I felt like I probably would have passed out, even though I'm sure that it's amazing. And then I, wa- I watched um, a, a crazy movie. Uh, weird, huh? Called Enter the Void. Uh, made back in 2009. If you do hallucinogens, if you do mushrooms, watch this movie on mushrooms. It blew my fucking mind. And, uh, yeah, unless you're young, don't do any drugs. They're bad for you. They're fucking terrible. you got to get to a certain age, and then they aren't anymore. But when you're younger, just don't do drugs, kids. (laughs) Next time you decide to uh, participate in the hallucinogenics, you should watch Return to Oz. That'll That'll really fuck with you. No, man, I don't know if I can handle those like, weirdos on the fucking um, skates and shit. Uh. <laughs> that was my first experience with uh, that. This is how you keep the kids off drugs. <laughs> you give them you give them a hallucinogenic and then you have them watch Return to Oz. Trust me, they'll or, never, or, never want to do it again. <laughs> or, or have them watch The Witches. Or, or the terrible idea that I did when I first did it and did mushrooms, we decided to watch Natural Born Killers. And both me and my buddy Ali, first timers, back when we were probably like 16, he was probably 17, I think. Um, we had a bad trip from that. It's so weird. So uh, <laughs> That's a movie that I actually think they could do a remake of, and it, it could be really good. Um, it's one that I saw and liked when I was younger, but I've, I've rewatched it since. And there's a lot of things that I would p- personally change about it to make the film what I would think a little better. But I think that that is one that you could someone could do an awesome remake of uh, it, now that we're in the Hollywood days of making or doing remakes or whatever. But as far as shit I've been watching, I am 
in season six of The Sopranos. That's pretty much All what right. I've watched the past two weeks, so I've almost wrapped that up. Show still fucking holds up. I think one of the best things about that show is that it moves. There's not a slow episode of The Sopranos. There's always something happening. There's always a uh, carryover of stories between episodes. It doesn't have like those weird like oh, like Walking Dead's a very pop was a very popular TV show, but it had those like weird bridge episodes that don't really go anywhere. Uh, uh, Sopranos did not do that. Filler that episodes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sopranos is not does has no filler episodes. That thing is just full slap all the time. Um, so As, uh, what, what's uh, uh, what's Chrissy doing? What's Chrissy doing right now on the show? Is he uh? Uh, so where I'm at in the in right now, Chrissy, uh, he was out of town in, in well, this is right. It was a couple episodes later, but he went to North Carolina to get some cigarettes from some redneck guys that they stole a truck or whatever. And he was bringing that back. Carmela and Tony get into an accident. Uh, everyone says it's because Tony was getting a blowjob. Really, it was because he swerved to miss a. <laughs> miss a raccoon or something in the middle of the road further it, it just further cements tony's love for animals uh throughout the show uh, which no. is uh, and then anyway so christopher comes on he thinks that carmella cheated on him and he you know proceeds to give her one of the most brutal beatings on a female i've ever seen in any fucking tv show or maybe even any movie it, it is a very hard watch uh going back to it but yeah, that's so. It's after that. So Chris Chrissy has started drink because he starts drinking again and, and and doing drugs during that time period. So he's he's off the wagon again, and uh, leading up to the end story with him and Tony. But for people out there that may want to watch that and have not watched it, I, I will leave the rest uh, in the wind. I, I watched this growing up, so. It's been it's been a long time, but I don't want to give any spoilers because Sopranos is the, even though it fucking came out the, the last episode was in 2007. I don't want to give any spoilers about Sopranos because it's such a fucking great show. Um, yeah, it's phenomenal. I watched I've been watching that. I watched uh, last night. I watched Clerks three, um, which I had been kind of waiting to watch until it showed up free to watch somewhere. Did you and, cry? No, I didn't. And, and in fact, I didn't really care for the movie that much. I mean, there was a lot of like wink, wink, nod, nod in it if you're a Kevin Smith podcast fan. But out, outside of that, um, a lot of the dialogue just didn't come off natural between the characters. It seems like almost like they were trying too hard to be a comedy as opposed to like, especially if you look at like original Clerks or, um, you know, Chasing Amy, where the dialogue felt natural. It didn't really feel that way for me in Clerks 3, which is the one thing you kind of want out of a fucking Kevin Smith movie yep. is the dialogue. It, it seemed he was com- always comedy Quentin Tarantino in a way, you know? He had just a natural dialogue that would happen between people in a fucking film. I agree with you. I, and I honestly, I think they struggled trying to make it too much a comedy, and I also think they struggled not struggle but like try to enforce it to be depressing and i i just think that it was a little bit melancholy i guess would be a good uh i don't know and then it was just depressing at the end it was like oh okay well that was good two awesome movies about these guys and then we end it like that thanks kevin appreciate it yeah and then they start i mean the way that it starts out with just rosario dawson being fucking dead right like it's kind of uh i don't know is a is a weird 
weird way to go about it. I know that he was trying to kind of tell a story about his personal life and his his own heart attack through these characters um, that are very important to you know his career. And I totally get it, but uh, it's not. It was not the the Clerks three that I would have wanted. And in retrospect, if I could you know delete it from my mind and leave it at the end of Clerks two, I probably would just do that. But this is not a shot at Kevin Smith. Big Kevin Smith fan. It just did not. It did not hit the same way as some of his other films, such as Dogma, Clerks, you know, the original Clerks, Clerks Two, or Chasing Amy. Chasing Amy being my favorite of the of that group. The uh, the other movie I watched was the Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, that was good. It's okay. Yeah, I thought it was fun. I liked. I think I liked the Sonic movie just because that's the closest thing you can really draw a comparison to. I think I liked the Sonic movie a little better. But I feel like the Sonic movie wasn't as much aimed at kids as the Mario movie was. The Mario movie definitely was very uh, aimed towards kids, which is not a bad thing. I mean, it's a fucking Nintendo movie, right? So uh, I liked it. It was it was fine. Yeah, um, Mario is pretty much the only Italian superhero ever, and he looks like he looks. But uh, I love Mario still, so appreciate him a whole bunch. Um, but I did like that movie. Um, I'm trying to think. I think that was, I mean, I, I, I watched, I swear to God, I watched the new season of the bear in like a day. Um, cause I love that fucking show. Um, I'm going to start calling you chef sometimes on the show, Chris, uh, I hope you don't leave. <laughs> um, but that's about like, I, I mean, I know I've watched a bunch of movies, but I can't think of anything off the top of my dome. I just, I really want to see Oppenheimer and I really want to see, um, Oh, what the hell's a horror movie name with the with the hand? And I've heard it's fucking just creepy and unsettling. And for some reason that attracts me. So the creepy, the creepy horror movie with the hand. Is it that one they used to show on fucking sci-fi all the time? Was it Idle Hand or whatever? No, no. Um, God dang it. I'm trying to remember what the name of it is. Uh, it's like a wooden hand that basically you grab and it like does stuff to you no one really knows that much about the movie which is the good thing about it because they didn't show shit in the trailer but um it even though i feel like when you hear about like well it was at different festivals and people ended up running out of the theater it's like yeah but they're a bunch of pussies they're not horror fans so i don't know how long how big i can take that (laughs) you know as as a reality uh to it what the hell's the name of it i really um, I had a picture of it because me and me and uh, a girl were talking about it. Yeah, I don't. I don't. When someone brings up like that kind of concept of something happening to you when you grab a hand or something like that, it makes me immediately think of uh, the monkey paw. Yeah, I, I think that's. I think that's kind of what it's going for. Gotcha. But a lot of so like the uh, the classic for those out there who aren't in the know, there is a very classic. It, I mean, it's actually a book as well, but there is a classic. Twilight Zone episode of the Monkey Paul, which was then later done on a tree, uh, Treehouse of Horrors Simpson episode <laughs> with the Monkey Paul, and it is the classic. If you make a wish, uh, you're gonna get what you want, but it comes with various consequences, similar to uh, that movie Bedazzled, starring Oscar winner. How oh, fuck is his name? Dude, it was in the Mummy. And oh, uh, Brendan Fraser. Yeah. Uh, so the concept's been used in you know several films and shows throughout the years, but it is always kind of a good one. 
Um, so if it's anything like that, I definitely would want to see it. That sounds kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, talk to me. That's the name of it. You can check out the trailer if you want uh, after we get done. But currently in theater, it's supposed to be super scary. And honestly, I haven't. Out of newer movies, ones that really affected me recently is probably The Witch and Hereditary. Um, because I'm a horror snob, which is not true because I love stupid horror movies, too. But <laughs> when you elevate it or whatever the fuck they call it, uh, elevated horror, you mean just intelligent horror, like 1970s horror, whatever. Uh, I hate Marx in every single. I just want to let everyone know that doesn't matter if it's <laughs> wrestling, horror, fucking superhero movies, video games, music. My opinion is the best. So there you go. Yeah, I think me and you had kind of different takes on Hereditary. I liked it, but it, did, it didn't blow me away like it did a lot of other people. And it's mostly just because of the last like 15 minutes of the film for me did like kind of jump the shark a little bit. But the, it is it is a very 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 good flick. Um, I, I I'm kind of interested about this fucking hand movie though. <laughs> I'm gonna have to have to check out the trailer after this. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm, who's the director for? We'll have one more thing, and then we're gonna do a couple news items. We don't have a lot to talk about. I'm not saying that we're wasting time because we never want to waste your time. But you guys enjoy our conversation. So, is this a new guy? Is this someone that I'm not aware? Um, Danny Filippo, Michael Filippo. What are they known for? I think they're brothers. Um, <laughs> I gave it away. <laughs> their last names. Yeah, this is kind of like their first big film. It looked like they have like a bunch of like horror shorts. But that could be that, like I said, maybe the people watching it were wimps and this movie sucks. Or this is going to be, you know, along with Ty West, Ari Aster, um, Alex Garland, and all these amazing horror directors that have popped up in the last like couple of years. Um, Jordan Peele, you know. Roger Eggers, I think that's the majority of them, sure. Um, Andy Muschietti, there you go, there's another one. All right, but anyways. It's it's been great going through this kind of renaissance of horror films recently, because I feel like when I was, by the time I was in high school, horror movies were just shit that was recycled from Japan, and they were all like PG-13 horror movies, and I didn't really care for any of them. And in the past, like, I don't know, five years, we've gotten a lot of really good horror movies with new ideas and kind of new takes and stuff. And uh, I am very happy to be alive during this time period as a, a as a horror fan in general. Yeah, people are trying, it seems like. Um, and that's funny because I watched a terrible fucking remake tribute movie. Uh, what the hell was it? It was like. It was a Texas Chainsaw Massacre ripoff, but it was like the claw, the clown Chainsaw Massacre. And it was 45 minutes and it was terrible, but I still enjoyed it. I don't know how that is, but I don't know. I used to watch Bloody Murder with uh, Trevor Morehouse. They had two films that were the worst ripoffs of Friday the 13th I've ever seen in my life. But. The best knockoff of Texas Chainsaw Massacre or this big kind of in that wheelhouse to me is still Pieces. I feel like that's a very underrated movie that doesn't get talked about enough. That is a good one, man. All right, let's uh, let's move on. 
I want to talk about um, two injury reports, a much smaller one being that uh, Pac is going to be out for a while. Not, I know that I, I didn't really get into details from the uh, Wrestling Observer article itself, but he's going to be gone for a minute, and they made that announcement last night on Rampage. But more, more uh, sad is that basically spine specialists are telling Biggie that he can't wrestle again. If he gets dropped a certain way, he's done. So it looks like, unfortunately, and I hope he can come back in some capacity, but Biggie in his professional wrestling career is uh, pretty much over. So he should definitely be moved to a commentary desk. I think that he could fill that gap that was left open by, um, God, what is the, the football player's name? Fucking, uh, God, uh, I think, yeah, I think he could kind of fill that comedic commentary role of Pat McAfee. And there's a lot of cool things you could do with Big E, even if you just want him to, him to be a manager for the new day or something. I'd still, I still feel like there's a whole lot of meat on the bone. Um, you know, he can obviously get more involved with up, up, down, down uh, in their on their gaming channels and stuff. That is really, really sad because the guy was finally getting what seemed like a push to the heavyweight title at some point um, and kind of was having the, his best at least singles run leading up to that injury. And it's just terrible. It's just terrible to hear that that he's going through that. Also sad for Pac. That guy's just got had a string of fucking bad luck since he started and AEW injuries and then COVID and all the other stuff for him. But it's terrible whenever you hear anything like that, and especially because Big E seems like a fucking super nice dude. So it's, you know, sucks that he's going through that. Hopefully WWE does the right thing and takes care of him and gives him a position doing something. You know what I mean? Um, I would love to continue to see him as an on-air presence. Absolutely. And like, look what they did for Jason Jordan. And now he's, producing matches involving Gunther and, you know, his ex-partner, Chad Gable. And uh, he had something that happened. And unfortunately, he was done after that. And they were trying to push him at the time. But Biggie, just one of the most charismatic gentlemen. There was some Dusty in him. I know that he was obviously trained by him. But JBL's the one to point that out in one of his interviews when he did have the belt. Glad that he got it for a short amount of time. Um, I just don't think they really pushed him that well during it, but Biggie's got so much personality and it's just unfortunate. This is wrestling. Um, I've know that he's gone and said many a times that, you know, for fans not to blame it on Rich Holland. I don't think anyone is putting it too much on him, but he was green and I don't think he should have been instructed at any point to do a belly to belly suplex on the outside as green as he was. And, uh, Shit happens in wrestling, man. I mean, one thing and that's it. So, yeah, and it, it seems like Rich Holland is, you know, honest, like very honest about what happened and very apologetic and definitely feels terrible about it. So, I don't think anyone should go out there and berate Rich Holland after this news comes out. I mean, if Big E can forgive the guy, then you should be able to forgive him as a fan. You know, it's one of those situations. Shit happens. Wrestling's dangerous, dude. Uh, it's not. A easy thing on your body so if you're if you're out there listening to this and you're, you're thinking of like hey i'm gonna go on twitter and bury rich holland probably just don't no and apparently ridge was there you know it, it sounded like very similar to how draws explained uh 
D'Lo is that Bridge was at the hospital and, you know, Biggie basically had to tell him to go home and that it was okay, basically, and that he didn't, you know, because that's going to suck, you know, and it, and it probably hits them now, especially, um, but Biggie's the one who let everyone know about that, and it's unfortunate, but yeah, hopefully we see him in some type of capacity within WWE very, very soon. I love your idea of him kind of being a color commentator, you know, for one of the shows. Yeah, I think he fits perfectly into that role just with his big personality and how good he is on the mic anyways. Like it kind of almost is it, – uh, it would fit into the Pat McAfee thing, McAfee thing. And then, you know, he can always be the commentator that gets attacked by a wrestler as long as he's not taking a bunch of like crazy bumps or anything. So there's still a lot of fun stuff that you could do with that. It is really sad to hear that though because I was – personally hoping that he was going to be able to come back and then i figured when he did come back they would have a rocket strapped to him to give him like one hell of a push so it's a it's a it's unfortunate and obviously big loves to Big E. he, he seemed he's a super he's been super positive throughout this entire thing i don't know how he did it because i know me personally i would be fucking more on the line of stone cold steve austin <laughs> about getting injured this way um, <laughs> But yeah. that's me. That just shows uh, the power of positivity, as the New Day would say. Yep, definitely. But um, we love you, Biggie. Uh, unfortunately, our only other uh, news item that we really have um, is a major death within wrestling. But just a couple people I wanted to mention that are not really necessarily included. I think Paul is, but uh, really tragic. Uh, Angus Cloud. Uh, passed away he was 25 he's one of the best stars on the show euphoria and just he impressed me so much as an actor and just really sad about his age itself uh mark uh margolis legendary actor i think most people know him from breaking bad or better call saul but he was in scarface and pie and requiem and he was even um ace ventura's uh Landlord, I believe, in that movie, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, great actor, died at 82. Paul Rubens, this one hurt. Pee Wee Herman, who actually, you know, did interact with wrestling. I loved watching all the videos. Uh, It was unfortunate of why we were watching them, but uh, he he passed away as well. And we love you, Pee Wee. (laughs) And then I think the, the biggest thing, wrestling, Adrian Street. Innovator, influenced, uh, more in a negative way, Adrian Adonis, but we talked about that recently. We're going over the dark side of the ring, but Gold Dust, um, and a lot of modern people, uh, Velveteen Dream's character, I would say, you know, you can see certain things and patterns of just being the the very um, androgynous character who definitely is borrowing from like a gorgeous George style concept, but kind of modernizing it with the whole, I think it was like basically glam rock at that point when the the, uh, New York dolls and all of them were popular, kind of like took that British look and brought it to wrestling and just as a heel, there's a great match. It's terrible quality because I think it's ICW, which I'm pretty sure is his name of uh, Lady Papo's promotion, but it's him and Macho Man and, he keeps on going out of the ring and getting away from Macho Man and, you know, walking around it. At one point, Randy's so pissed off, he goes and sits in the uh, the crowd waiting for him to get in the ring and start the match. And then when he gets in there, 
Miss Linda helps him out. Um, but just an awesome wrestler and a fucking tough dude. Also influenced people like William Regal and Nigel McGuinness, you know, and a lot of British wrestlers. Because he did have that look, but he could beat your ass. And he used that. And he, he really didn't. He wasn't trying to be a heel for the character he was portraying, which is what Adrian Adonis was doing, and pretty much Goldust as well in a lot of ways at the beginning of his career. He was embracing it and basically like, oh, you can say whatever you want. You can call me a sissy. I'll beat your ass. And that's what he could really do. He was so good at catch-as-catch-can style wrestling uh, because he learned the European style. And just if you want to see some good matches, you can find some stuff in Tennessee. Um, I I looked up some stuff uh, with him. Fighting, uh, you know, uh, Bill Dundee and uh, obviously, like I said, some savage matches. That was one of his biggest feuds. And there's a great documentary um, where they go over his career on the network. Um, But Adrian Street, like I said, lots of wrestlers to this day, I think, still have like a little bit of that influence. Uh, I can't remember the gentleman in Ring of Honor, the Peacock, but um, Dalton Castle, definitely something's there. I think that he was one of the first guys to do that. Take the gorgeous George and make it a little David Bowie, if you will. So all, unfortunately, four people rest in peace. Uh, Before we do a 10 second salute, Chris, do you want to say anything about Paul Rubens or Adrian or anything like that? Uh, so Paul Rubens, I do not have as much experience with as a lot of other people. I, I was born a little bit after Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Um, still very sad news, and I, it did affect my wife because she was a huge Pee Wee Herman fan. So that that one was tough. The Angus Cloud, that that one is really, 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 really brutal, and and it's like reading about his life and kind of. Like, I don't know how much you know about him, but him being like 15 and falling into a construction hole and having a cracked skull and then, you know, them having to do all of this work on him when he was that young and then leading into his, you know, today. Um, Just kind of a crazy story and like a star that burned too bright almost, which is very unfortunate. And uh, if you're a fan of Euphoria, I don't necessarily know how they come back from loss of that guy because i feel like he was a massive part of that show and actually one of the only likable fucking characters in that show if you really think about it as far as like a as far as humanity goes so it's just it's really really sad to see someone go that young um especially in the way he was casted the guy wasn't trying to be an actor he was like a waiter and a, a casting agent just picked him for the role basically so it's just a weird 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 situation with that guy and it, it sucks that we're not going to see him in more he was definitely my favorite character on euphoria so me too uh, very unfortunate I, I think i related to him because i kind of grew up in like a hood area and I, like everybody knows a guy that's like angus cloud kind of if you depending on where he grew up and i definitely knew people that were like angus cloud growing up so it, it kind of sucks that that's uh that's the case with that, that, that this is how things ended up for him and sent you know warm regards to him and his family um the other the other actor that you named was in scarface what character was he in scarface was he uh tony's cousin oh i haven't seen scarface in so long i know he's in it i think he's one of the guys that he pisses off that's uh threatening him in the motel before he chainsaws uh 
his what was it, his brother, his cousin? More towards the beginning of the movie, but did you ever did you watch Breaking Bad at all? We probably had this conversation before. It's I've watched the the last season of Breaking Bad with Karen. Um, so if he was a character before the last season, I didn't, I haven't seen it. It's a show that I mean to go back and watch, but I've never sat down and taken the time to watch it. Uh, I remember liking it for the most part. The episodes I did see, she was super into it when it was on the air, but I, I, it's one that I haven't ever gotten back around to watching the full thing all the way through. He played like a ruthless character, uh, kind of. Not on the same level of Gus Fringe, but he was a part of that whole unit and was always in a wheelchair and would ring a bell on that show. Um, God dang it. I'll send you a picture of his face. If you see him, you'll know exactly who he is. But uh, yeah, so un- unfortunate passing as well. I just, it's just someone I don't know enough about to really speak on, I think, in, in that in this particular situation. Uh, Adrian Street, absolute legend. I think everything that you pointed out to watch is, is are, are things that the same kind of things I would point out to watch. Specifically, his feud with Bill Dundee in those matches, I think, are pretty fucking great. Uh, I have not seen the Macho Man stuff, so I'm gonna have to go back and check that out. I think the the one time I've seen anything about him and Macho Man was on the three disc Macho Man Ultimate Collection that WWE did years ago, uh, back when you know people released DVDs. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a while since I had seen anything with him and Mach, but uh, I think you pretty much laid it out perfectly as far as his influences to other wrestlers. Dalton Castle, I think, is a perfect example of someone that kind of took a similar thing and and, and made it its own big, unique thing. Dalton Castle is is, might be the best example because he is more of a catch style amateur wrestler uh, with a big flamboyant character. Hopefully they do something with that guy in AEW because I, I always thought he was kind of underrated. Yeah, uh, I like Dalton Castle a lot, but I don't know if he's one of uh, Tony's favorite action figures that he owns. So, but but I mean I don't watch Ring of Honor though. That 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 is a point. It's kind of like how I feel about NXT. It's like sometimes I'll check it out if. You know, but I don't know. Maybe yeah, it, it went the negative way that we thought it was going to go, where it became a, a streaming show separated from the network shows, and it's kind of forgotten about, unfortunately. Um, and I've heard, I've I've seen some of the shit Samoa Joe's done on there, and like, unless there's something specific that I want to watch on there, I'm not going to tune in and watch like every Ring of Honor match. I'll probably tune in for their pay-per-views if there's going to be good stuff but like most of that was crossover the reason i tuned into those was because briscoe is an ftr yeah uh, i don't think they've done a good job of revitalizing that brand i think it would go a long way if they kind of brought in someone like delirious to take the helm of that and make it its own unique thing as opposed to being like another AEW show because we have now we have uh, we have three AEW shows already <laughs> Right. You know, and then you're adding on a streaming show that I have to pay a subscription fee to watch uh, that's outside of any other subscription I would own. It's kind of just a it's a hard ask, I think, for most wrestling fans. Yep, I completely agree with you. But at least sometimes they have those matches on other platforms, I guess, Uh, even though that doesn't really make any sense. But 
what are you going to do? You know, in the same breath, I guess WWE is doing that with NXT. I think it's causing probably, I think it's doing well for NXT. And it was actually a good idea to try to like, you know, have Dominic on the show or have this person come in this week, you know, give it something. But I still, it's like awesome match with Leo Dragunov or awesome segment with Braun Breaker. And then we're doing this stupid shit. So, you know, I'm, I'm the uh, stickler when it comes to that crap, Chris. Yeah, I've kind of started to give NXT a little bit of a pass because they have made that just a pure fucking developmental show with green ass wrestlers doing trying to do, you know, unique storylines. It is more like let's throw things against the wall and see what works show. It sucks because NXT was as high, as great as it was at one point in time, but it was also just kind of like it was just Ring of Honor repackaged with a lot of the people they had on the roster. Um, if you think about it, so they're kind of that. That's kind of a weird one. Now I will say I, I would rather watch NXT than fucking Rampage on a weekly basis. So. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you on that. Um, uh, one one thing I didn't bring up when we were talking about shows we watched. Have you been watching Heels? No, I haven't checked it out yet. I was going to watch it this weekend. How many episodes are out? So two episodes are out. I've been watching them pretty much when they come out Thursday night or, you know, or I guess Friday morning, technically. Um, so I've stayed up and watched those each week. It, it's a good season so far. And the one problem that I, I could point out is Stephen Amill has gotten fucking big, dude. Like in comparison to the first season, he is like in wrestling big shape. The guy's always been like cut kind of like a CrossFit athlete. Yeah. He looks like an actual fucking wrestler now. And I can only point to the fact that there's no way that they're not doing something at WrestleMania with this guy. <laughs> Hope for something. They got to be doing something with him and Cody soon because he is just he's bigger than I expected him to be uh, coming back into the into the fold here. So uh, just something I, I, I thought of as we as we were talking as one of the shows I forgot to mention I've been watching. It's it's it's, it's really good. The first episode is kind of a flashback episode. The second episode is picking up the pieces after uh, their big county fair match where uh, Crystal wins the title, which is kind of problematic in itself because she wasn't a part of the match. So that's kind of the story going forward in that thing. Hell yeah. Great show. Love Stephen Amell. Uh, Love to see him show up in some capacity in wrestling. Hey, WrestleMania, they can have a four-way match between Bad Bunny, Logan Paul, Paul, uh, Pat McAfee, and Stephen Amell. Who's the best celebrity wrestler? There you go. Um, Shit, maybe yeah, they I, can do maybe they can do a Survivor Series match, actors versus wrestlers. And they need no, no, they need a fifth person, and Miz can't decide which group he wants to hang out with, but neither want him a part of it. I read an article the other day that a Miz is like two and eighty-two in the past two years of wrestling matches. Jesus Christ. Bars well, wins. Won the awesome title for a day a year ago, or whatever <laughs> yeah. the fuck that was. I think didn't didn't he beat Biggie? I don't remember. Or was that Bobby Lashley? I don't remember at the time who had it. But um, either way, let's uh let's let's continue. Um, try to think. Did you watch? Actually, I should ask you this since we kind of brought up Cody. Um with the whole Stephen Amell thing and Stephen Amell narrated it. Did you watch the two hour documentary about, uh, Mr. Cody Rhodes? I have not yet. 
I heard it was really good. I just haven't had a chance to check it out. It is. It's on my radar, though. It's probably something I'll try to watch this week. Uh, really, really good. Really good stuff. I'll say did that. You, did you check out uh, Twisted Metal with Samoa Joe? I did. I'm three episodes in. It's really cheesy, but see, unlike, and I love the Twisted Metal series, unlike how I feel, like how I'm really passionate about disliking the last Mortal Kombat movie because they made it cheesy because the one in the fucking 90s was cheesy. Like, no, you don't have to treat it like that. You can actually put some shit into it. And besides Scorpion Sub-Zero, I thought that movie fucking sucked. Anyone who likes it, I'm glad you like it, but I don't. So sorry. But <laughs> what's in metal? I think you can do that. And I like the Mad Max. Uh, what was that terrible movie with the cars and they would hit people? to Death Proof or Death... I don't remember. It had a... Death Race with uh, Mr. Sylvester Stallone and uh, the guy that was in Kung Fu, Danny Carrigan. Yeah. That that uh, choked himself while jerking it. Um, good old David Carradine. Rest in peace, man. But yeah, hey man. that movie. You, don't, you be nice to Bill. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I liked it a lot. I'm kind of on the same page as you. Because it is a game that is literally about fucking car battle, you have to create, you have to set up the universe before you can even really get into any of the story. So this first season is kind of a weird bridge season leading up to what Twisted Metal is as a competition, um, yep. which which they they kind of get to throughout the show. Um, but since you're only three episodes in, I don't want to I don't want to say too much. I will say I'm disappointed in the lack of Calypso. Um, outside I'm of just seeing references that. to it, huh? I was going to ask you about that. Is he even a real character in this? He is. Okay. So the, the the delivery that he's currently on, going from San Francisco to Chicago, Calypso is. Uh, you'll see references to Calypso throughout the entire time. We don't actually see Calypso, but you, it is acknowledged that Calypso exists. Cool. And, that, and I gotta say, physical performance, man. I know Will Arnett's doing the voice, and I think it's actually a pretty good combination. But Samoa Joe's uh, doing a damn good job with Sweet Tooth. I'm kind of glad they didn't get they uh, Samoa Joe doing the fucking voice itself must have been too terrifying. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> that that is that is my thought after hearing the dialogue of uh Sweet Tooth throughout the show and then thinking about Samoa Joe and doing like the Hey Wendy promos and stuff. I was like maybe it was just too scary. <laughs> they were like we can't <laughs> we can't do that. Um but yeah, his physical acting is great in it, and he—you can tell the guy had to learn all of the lines because you can see like his chin movements and stuff through the mask. Like he's that—that uh, that must have been really hard to do as an actor in film, um, a, as a director or whatever, because the guy is not actually doing any of the lines technically. You're—you're you're going to do a voiceover for it, so getting that stuff syncopated. Uh, with his particular actions, which are very, very quick moving um, throughout the show. That's, it's kind of wild. But yeah, I, definitely finish it up and let me know what your, your thoughts are on it. Because I, I liked it. I have other friends that kind of didn't like it as much. It wasn't what they expected out of a Twisted Metal thing. For me, this is like a setup to uh, the tournament itself, which will be become will become like, you know, Calypso granting a wish um, for whatever the last episode would be, which is kind of the thing you would want out of Twisted Metal. Hell yeah. 
as long as they're going that direction. And I love Anthony Mackie. You know, I'm, 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 I'm in for it. I just, uh, there's been a lot of stuff to watch, so I only got three episodes of it. But, you know, there's only so much you can do in a day, Chris. Uh, we mentioned NXT. I kind of just, I don't, we don't have to go over the whole entire Great American Bash. I just want to point out, first of all, the tag match and the fact that uh, Tony D'Angelo and uh, Stax Lorenzo won it. Uh, when I have been catching parts of NXT, I have been seeing some of the vignettes. And I, I did enjoy them, and they kind of, like, had, like, you know, I guess you could say, like, Peaky Blinders versus the Mafia with these two groups. And um, I think Tony's getting better in the ring, and he's one hell of a personality. It's just him fucking doing a Tony Soprano impression, but still, it's effective. And this guy they paired with him that stacks, I think, is doing well. Uh, Dominic, he, uh, because of Rhea Ripley, basically, obviously, he beat it. Both uh, Wesley and Mustafa Ali to retain. Tiffany Stratton retained over Thea Hale, which I didn't want her to win anyways because I think Chase U sucks. Sorry if you're a big fan of that. It's not my thing. And uh, I, I thought they – I thought – I know this is Sean and they have a great team. I like Carmelo Hayes, and I really think that the packaging with Trick Williams – you know, he's more limited, more green, but he's actually kind of very charismatic. They bounce off each other great. Carmelo's had the title for a while. I thought this was Ilya Dragunov's night, and I got to admit, because I stayed up late to fucking, and like, force myself to stay awake, because I'm old. Um, I was pretty pissed off when Ilya lost, but uh, I don't know. Maybe... Maybe just like uh, Braun Breaker, they're both about to make their way to the main roster. We'll have to see, but uh, Ilya Dragunov, he he's awesome. He's fucking great. Carmelo's great too, but I was really disappointed. I don't know if you got a chance to watch it, Chris, but what do you think? So I've been trying to keep up with NXT a little bit more just because I've been hearing some good things. The Tony D'Angelo storyline has been kind of fascinating with him being in jail or whatever <laughs> and them doing those vignettes. Uh, that's been pretty fun. And as far as like a Tony Soprano uh, type character, I guess, he's doing it a hell of a lot better than QT Marshall. So, Oh, Jesus, I'll, yes. I'll, I'll, give him, I'll give him that. Um, so I, I think that little storyline is kind of fun. Tony D'Angelo, like you said, I think he's gotten a lot better in the ring. There is something there with that guy, so I'm glad that they didn't give up on him. Um, with the Carmelo Hayes stuff, I think the only reason he retained the, tire, uh, the title is that they're building up to... Looks like, sounds like we have some drag racers in the neighborhood that Chris was not expecting. The elements, things that happen in the background. Sometimes you hear my uh, my dogs. Uh, Chris, are you back? Or yeah, yeah, I'm back. Sorry about that. There's two people no drag racing down my street for some reason. Uh, with Carmelo Hayes, uh, the thing I think they're doing with him, especially coming off of uh, this week's uh, episode of NXT, is he? You know, Trick Williams has been there for him forever. Trick Williams ends up getting like beat down kind of and Carmelo doesn't really make a save to try to help the guy. So I think they're setting up the breakup of that team and maybe that's where the title is going to get dropped to try to put Trick over. Um, Ilya doesn't need the title. The guy, the guy actually doesn't need to be on NXT at this point, but that's a whole different uh, story in itself. So I think that's where they're going with that. I I enjoyed the match. Um, I did not watch all of the rest of Bash of the Beach though. I think I just caught those 
two angles. If I were to, you know, um, backseat book Ilya on the main roster, I would immediately, you know, kind of like I was saying, and apparently they're, they're, they're doing part of this, you know, I was saying Tommaso Ciampa's about to come back. Johnny's about to come back. They're, they both were injured. Just put them in DI, DIY. And if you want to do the same fucking story that you did in NXT, a lot of people have not seen that. And now you have it on a bigger stage so you can go into their rivalry. Same thing with Ilya Dragunov. I would, I would head him headfirst for Gunther. I don't even know, you know, obviously a title is one thing. He's only got two people. Gunther just beat Macho Man's record. He's got not that much time, and he he beats Pedro and the number one Honky Tonk Man very, very soon for that uh, IC belt. Who's better to go back and forth? And you can have it where you can even have something where, uh, like, he Ilya keeps on losing because the guys are getting involved with the matches and Guther's, you know, fucking them over. And Ilya begs for, like, one last chance to take that belt off of Guther, and Guther's like, all right, but if you lose, you got to join Imperium. You could do different directions with storylines involving him and Guther, and they always have fucking killer matches. I mean, they're pairing, to me, maybe not on the same level, but it's... You know, I know, obviously, if Okada and fucking Omega were in a match again, they would have a great match. Same thing kind of applies to that situation with uh, Gunther and Ilya. But I do want to see him treated well on the main roster. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's a perfect way to do, to do it. And uh, if I was going to have someone actually book that shit, it'd probably be Paul Heyman. Put Paul Heyman in charge of that so that he could do what he did with the bloodline. Yeah. Honest. Um yeah, I think that would be great. It's not like people anyone it's not like any wrestling fan is gonna complain about seeing another Helia Gunther match. Because they're usually bangers. But uh him yeah, and, and both and any, both go ahead. And any Mark fan that would complain about it, like it's already happened. It happened in the in NXT UK during the fucking pandemic. They had three great matches. So not a lot of exposure. For wrestling fans, yes. But it would be new to a lot of people, you know, if you did it on a Raw or SmackDown stage. I almost think it would be great if, like, like you were saying, if they did, he lost and was forced to be part of Imperium, and then you also get a tag team with him and Gunther. I think that would be kind of like the Sheamus Claudio tag team. I think there's something very interesting there as well if they wanted to go that route there's a lot they can do with that guy both him and Braun breaker should have been moved up to the fucking main roster a long time ago but i do want to give uh wwe some flowers on their recent booking because they have like they have a plan and they're going to do what is in their plan and they're not going outside of it even when it's the most frustrating baffling thing ever like the cody rhodes title loss of the Sami Zayn title loss they have a plan they're sticking with it it's still working they're red fucking hot right now so it's like even if I would have done something differently it's 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 kind of hard to complain about because whatever they're doing is fucking working so it's kind of a weird situation now where it's like well I'm you know if, if the product falls off a cliff then I can start criticizing it but right now it's the hottest it's been since like the mid 2000s so it's kind of a crazy crazy thing with wwe and and nxt is like consistently doing 600 700 viewers now which is kind of in line with you know what they were doing before the 
they got into a pissing contest with AEW. So it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's fun, man. It's, it's a great time to be a fucking wrestling fan all around. Cause there's just such good product. Uh, but I would, I definitely, you know, those two guys specifically, Ilya and, and Braun Breaker, they should have been brought up a long time ago, honestly. Absolutely. I agree. I think Ilya has a lot of potential. Um, I think if you look at his size, the fact that he's so in shape, he's got like that Benoit kind of body, or maybe even Adrian Street. He's shorter, but he's stocky, you know. Um, I just I love that idea. I, I, I and not only if you do have him a part of Imperium, look how Gunther treats the other two. If he starts doing that to Ilya and Ilya's not fucking up, and then that gets into him attacking and going back, baby, so much that you could do to set him up right away. Uh, but it's, I think it's got to go back to his uh, friend from Austria. So, yeah. I, I, I agree with you 100%. And I would probably even go a little further and give them, like, do the fucking best of seven, like they did sure. with Seamus. The, like they did with Sheamus and Cesaro and that worked wonders for both of those guys career in WWE at the time period because they had nothing kind of going not that Gunther has nothing going but you know what he has right now is a streak yep really like as far as a story goes with Gunther there's nothing there but if you could bring in someone like Ilya uh, and build out like a best of seven because I want to watch those people wrestle seven times for sure <laughs> I feel like there's a lot there's a lot of meat on that bone, especially knowing how good of matches those two can put out. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, man. Um, all right, let's kind of go over highlights of the four main shows. It's so weird now that we have this situation, but you know we got our Raw and our SmackDown and our Dynamite and our Collision. But not going to go over everything, just kind of main storylines, I would say. Um. I guess the main thing with Collision would be the promo with CM Punk finally revealing what's in the bag, putting his straight edge X on that. And I got to say, man, it's effective. When he says, I'm, I'm better than you, I'm straight edge and I'm better than you, that kind of pisses me off. So I guess it's effective. But you got you to gotta give Punk his credit. It's like if they like him. They like him. If they don't, he doesn't give a fuck. And he's able, it's not like, it's not doing anything to him uh, having that type of reaction. He's able to get ahead of it. But calls out Ricky Starks. We can see this. Ricky Starks, you know, kind of did him dirty to win and then ran out and really pissed off a lot of people by just grabbing the trophy or whatever from Jushin Liger, the Owen Hart thing. And uh, now is kind of more. Seems like in a heelish direction, which I, I find interesting. But CM Punk, of all people, for CM Punk to be like, oh, you cheated. You know, I don't really care. But can you live with that? That you actually be? it's it's kind of fucking bullshit, because obviously he would do that, too, especially now that he's embracing himself more as a heel. But it's a good storyline. And I'm looking forward to watching tonight because I'm going to be watching both of them because you know how crazy I am, Chris. Collision and, and uh, SummerSlam. We have for the other title. Uh, so now AEW not only has two main shows with kind of different rosters, but now they have two titles. Huh. And the other champion was on the show going for the tag belts. But we'll get there. 
but anyways, Starks, Punk, tonight. I'm curious where they're going. Um, but like you said, because honestly, even though he was wrestling a lot at first, like, uh, like even on fucking Rampage and shit, other than the dog collar match, I haven't, you know, it's kind of like, I need to see some more of CM Punk uh, in the ring, and I'm just wondering this whole title with the X on it, what the hell that that really means, and we'll just have to we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But Ricky Starks, him getting more shit to do is always a good thing. And I don't know about you, we really haven't talked about Collision too much. I like that they are trying to make it different. I like the little short interviews with the big events that are happening later on. With uh, you know, the different opponents and and whatnot at the beginning of the show, it's just different and it just it has a little bit of a different feel. Like SmackDown and Raw, obviously they're they're very similar, and so is Dynamite and Collision, but they still do have differences to them. So I appreciate that, and not trying to be so fucking different where it doesn't even look like the original product. So we'll talk more about the tag match. Because that was fucking awesome. But uh, what did you think about this promo involving Punk and the match tonight for the uh, the de facto X title uh, with Ricky Starks? So we, we've seen a Punk-Ricky Starks match recent in recent memory, right? So this is building off of that. Yeah. He, yeah. Uh, he used the, uh, what, what the hell, the ropes to pin him uh, for yeah. the uh, Hart finals. That's that's okay. Yeah, all right. I was just making sure that I didn't make up some shit in my head. It's, there's a lot of wrestling in there at the moment. Um, yeah. So I don't know that I like turning Ricky Stark's heel. They just turned him babyface like four yeah. months ago. Uh, I think that would be my biggest problem with that. And then they turned him heel to start a heel versus heel feud with Punk, which is yeah. kind of kind of fucking odd in itself and also those two guys did not have very much chemistry in the ring together that was not uh one of the better matches i've seen in AEW recently and that's not just because it's punk it's just like sometimes styles don't work i think we saw the same thing when ricky starks the the reason i originally didn't like ricky starks is when he was working with moxley like those two guys just looked fucking awkward as shit together in the ring or uh, uh, recently, Ty Valkyrie, who's awesome, and Britt Baker, who's awesome, had terrible chemistry in their match. And we'll probably talk about it on Dynamite, but it happens, you know? Yeah. And, and the the X title, I mean, we knew that that was what was in the bag. Um, I don't know why we need – hopefully that's building to a storyline with him versus MJF. But they – like, MJF is their hottest baby face, which is fucking <laughs> – also doesn't make sense. Yeah. So, so you know him and I think that they were gonna do this Adam Cole and MJF thing as like a one-off, and it's gotten so fucking over that they're in a weird spot with their actual title belt in general. So I, I don't know how the hell they're gonna get out of that situation. That that in itself is gonna be really weird getting, um, getting MJF back as a a heel to face Punk. So maybe the route is like let Punk be a full ass heel and continue to have MJF as a babyface. They got like three or four weeks to figure it out. Isn't Wembley right around the goddamn corner? Oh yeah. Well, and yeah. Punk's now going against uh, Adam Cole at that. So or not Punk, uh, MJF is. So 
I guess, would All Out be where Punk goes against MJF? Or unless Adam Cole fucks him over and he wins the title, I don't know what the hell they're doing. If it was me and I had to do this, I would have Adam Cole beat MJF through nefarious means. And then you can have Adam Cole as the heel. And I think Adam yeah. Cole works better as a heel than a babyface. And then you can have babyface MJF, which is what I thought they should have done when the fucking guy came back the first time. Uh, and the crowd loved him and they tried. They were trying. So and he put in the absolute most work you could do ever to be a heel. <laughs> but the crowd just loves MJF, man. It's, it's a weird. That's what I'm saying is that, that the entire setup for this is kind of weird because like fans love Ricky Starks. I don't know that they necessarily want him to be a heel either. Like same thing with MJF. They put this tag team together and it's like fucking Hogan and Macho Man level of over in their company. A double <laughs> close. A fucking double clothesline. Uh, but I will say, and you know, it's funny that you say that because I was listening to Tommy Dreamer uh, talk about it. And he said, this should be a double turn at Wembley. This should promote MJF and get him right over as being a baby face and make Adam Cole one of the biggest heels now, like he was in NXT. And I completely agree with it. Um, there's stuff that you need to do that's best for the storyline. And I think that we'll, we'll talk about another situation of whether the championship matches on SummerSlam, uh, where I think the best of business is not what a lot of people are thinking, or I don't know. But with this situation, I think that's the smartest way to go. And then I guess you unify the titles using uh, Adam Cole and, um, and CM Punk, uh, which would be a great match, I'm sure, and would have some great promos building up. If you want, you can throw MJF as a three-way or something like that. You know, there, there's different things to do, but I I completely agree with the idea that MJF is a babyface and Adam Cole just fucks him over completely and is a true heel in all this. Even to the point where, like, Britt could be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you know, maybe even beats up uh, Roddy afterwards for questioning his actions or something like that. Um, you know, there's different ways. Now, there's also the way that they have a great match. They hug. They're all buddy-buddy, and Roderick Strong comes out at the end of it all pissed off, and then they just beat the shit out of Roderick Strong, and they're two heels. I have no idea, but I like that. I like that aspect. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily – I don't I, – I wouldn't love that idea of where they just jump Roderick Strong just because Roderick Strong is not going to be in any anywhere near the level of – those two guys as top dudes. And I don't want to see either of them really feuding with Roddy strong. I, I could see more of like, he gets involved and that's your Adam, you know, your Adam Cole fucking heel turn on MJF. That I'm, that's definitely where I would go with it, but who the fuck yeah. knows? I, I also would have brought MJF back as a fucking baby face to begin with. Uh, after yeah. he got absolutely decimated by Wardlow and then cuts the scathing promo on the company in general, which is like very a uh, stone cold Steve Austin type thing to do. It would have made a lot more sense <laughs> to bring the guy back as a baby face. He was like the most over, he's the most overact in AEW, and it's not even close. And I know that a lot of people are like, yeah, but punk, yeah, well, but punk, I know punk is a legend, but yeah. MJF is the most over person in that fucking company. So, you know, making him your top fucking baby face guy, against a nefarious Adam Cole and CM Punk, it makes a lot of sense um, because the chase is almost more important. So having MJF have that title taken from him after putting his faith and trust in this person, having his, for, in storyline, his first real friend, basically. 
it's kind of a good that that's where I would go with it. But it's Tony Khan, so it'll probably just look like a fucking exploding barbed wire death match, and Eddie Kingston will somehow win the title. <laughs> hey, if that happens, I'm down if Kingston gets the title. <laughs> I'm glad that he has a New Japan Strong title. I'm, I'm happy that he's got some golden. Even though I haven't admittedly been keeping up with the G1 tournament too much, just seeing highlights, uh, I know he's very happy to be a part of it. So I'm very happy for Kingston in that regard. I heard it's been very good this year. I have also not like had a lot. I haven't had a lot of time to watch it just because AEW has three shows, WWE has three shows, and that's the things that we primarily talk about on this show. So it's, you know, going like when I catch, I haven't, you know, we're in like what, night 11 of the G1. So I have 40 hours of G1 I have to watch or something, something close to that number. I think I've asked you this before. Does an outlet, maybe Wrestling Observer, do a good breakdown of the top matches for each night so you don't have to fucking go through every single one of them? Uh, well, in the in the newsletter, it'll have the results of all the matches with Dave's uh, rankings, and then on their actual site, it'll have like a quick review breakdown um, of it and, and of the bracket and who what what the points are. And, and this is nothing. I, like I've heard, there's been some great matches um, in the G1. It's just it's really hard to uh, right now, specifically with as much good wrestling as there is. The G1 is kind of hard to keep up with because there is kind of a big show for that tournament every other night so it's it's not only a lot of wrestling but it's a lot of wrestling really quickly in a time period that we're building up to both uh uh, SummerSlam, which happens tonight and then this wembley show so i normally try to keep up with the g1 better but this year it's been a little rough just because of everything else that is going on in wrestling yeah it's too much shit out there man like what are you gonna do But I'm sure I'm going to catch up at some point, probably tomorrow, watch a couple of matches, check it out. Yeah, I mean, you can kind of, it's the G1, so you can kind of go through and look at who the top contenders are and watch their matches and have a general idea of where the tournament is going to go. Um, and, and, you know, really you're watching three matches each G1 night because they're going to sprinkle in a bunch of, like, you know, trios, tag matches and shit. Uh but it's, I mean, it is a lot. It's a lot of content. Um, so it, it's, I, I love the G1. I love the idea of the G1. It is also kind of annoying to watch because either you have to find it through various, like illegally, uh, illegal means, or you have to have the New Japan uh, oh, there's, app. Oh, there's an option and, that's not illegal? The New Japan app sucks. Oh. So <laughs> sometimes it may be easier to go the elite, like, you know, give New Japan their money and buy the subscription, but maybe use one of these other sites to watch the actual G1 because their fucking app is terrible. I've had so much trouble watching New Japan shit recently. It's like yeah. on par with fucking TNA's app. When you go on a fucking application and you spend 45 minutes trying to find the first Wrestle Kingdom and you just can't on the fucking New Japan's website. I just gave up and fucking got rid of it. I told you that, though. I was so pissed. Anyways, let's, uh, a couple more things. Uh, so, two matches that happened. We had a ladder match with Andrade and Buddy. You know, for the for the matches that they were having, and they were having some awesome fucking matches, I kind of agree with Jim Cornette that 
I wish this was just a ladder match. And I, I don't know if people know how to do that anymore. Um, and not having to get other things involved and just too much, like the struggle of getting up the ladder. It's like that's less and less, unless it's a money in the bank fucking match. It's not even about the ladder itself. It's about like how much damage you can do with all this type of shit and then climb that while they're down. And I mean, yeah, that's a part of the ladder match, obviously. But I don't know. I thought this was a little bit too much. Uh, the handcuffs, the last spot with Julia and Buddy Matthews going through the table. It was a good match. Um, I just liked their other stuff beforehand. And then Darby Allen got the shit kicked out of him by Minoru Suzuki and somehow won. And that was pretty fucking crazy. Uh, the dude did his normal thing to start off, like came out like a fucking bullet, Chris, and kind of missed Minoru and just like went head first into the ground. I was glad that he was fine, but my God, Darby Allen can take a lot of punishment. Yeah, he can. He needs to be careful fucking up in the ring with Nor Suzuki, though. That's how you get your ass twisted into a fucking knot. <laughs> Luckily, he didn't, like, fuck up and accidentally hurt Minoru, because that would have been really bad for him. Friend of the show, Ken Shamrock, can attest to that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, the... Uh, the Andrade match, I liked. I liked that match a lot. I think that they sometimes do, as Jim Cornette would say, put a hat on a hat on a hat, yeah. kind of thing. And those two guys had such a great singles match. Why not just give them another singles match? You know, do a do a best of best of five or a best of seven or do an Iron Man match or so, do something different than like, hey, here's a match. We're gonna call it a ladder match. But we also have all of these other various types of ladder matches that we do all of the time, and we also have all these no DQ matches all the fucking time. Here, here, here's a wild idea, Dane. Ready? Ready for this? Sure. Have fucking have a normal ass wrestling match. There you go. <laughs> is your mind blown on it is. that idea? Okay. So I don't really blame these two guys. Like, you know, that's booking. They were like, do a ladder match. This is what we want to happen. And they got there the way they got there. But uh, the match itself, in-ring quality, work. Buddy Matthews and Andrade, they have a great chemistry together. Um, it's good to see that Andrade is back and seemingly is not trying to kill Sammy Guevara. Uh, so that's, <laughs> that's good. That was really funny in the MJF promo. He's like, aren't you backstage about to get punched in the face? right now or something i can't remember the exact line but mjf definitely alluded to the fact that sam kapara almost got his ass whipped um because mjf's the best yeah i don't know if i call it the dark the darby allen stuff that was he always does that run-in spot it's like i don't know if it sh like shocked minoru or what but he like kind of moved and yeah darby ate shit that was it was awkward looking yeah just a little bit and i think the biggest thing that happened, obviously, was the main event. Fucking FTR, dude. And the guys they worked with, obviously, Adam Cole, MJF, uh, Jay White, and Juice Robinson. Two weeks in a row, they had a, a fucking, what, 45-minute match with Juice and fucking Jay that was amazing. An incredible tag team match by all four gentlemen. And then you do this, and it's another amazing fucking match. And somehow, and, you know, if, if I was Dax, I would be mentioning this. You know, somehow MJF was the person that got beaten. And for the first time in a very long time, he was pinned and he felt terrible. We have a part where Adam Cole kind of sees something coming with 
and just says to Max, like, just go for it. Do what you got to fucking do. And MJF didn't. Um, and they hugged and the best friends sued them for taking their um, trademark. But uh, fucking crowd went nuts for that. Roderick Strong went nuts in the back, destroying shit. Be mad if I was Tony, like, calm down, Roddy. What the fuck? You know, but uh, he's he's mad about the whole thing. And then afterwards, they, you know, they Max put over FTR and they took tequila shots. And then apparently after it was done filming, uh, Max had a big speech to the audience, big rah-rah, go-home, babyface speech, and then brought Tony out and thanked him uh, for, you know, the whole dynamite uh, thing and, and just, just uh, yeah, MJF's a babyface now, I guess. I don't know. I'm still, like, part of me, though, Chris. I just can't trust it. Like, I just feel like something's going to happen, and then he's going to punch Adam Cole. And even though that's... I don't know, so predictable, like, and I don't want that to happen. I can still see it happening, but I would just go with him being a baby face. Maybe, uh, you know, we don't have to, you, someone said it actually, I just, it just clicked in my head. I want to tell you this, Chris. So, the, so Tommy Dreamer said to really sink it in, if Adam Cole the way that he fucks him over is if he took a roll of quarters and had it in his hand and punched him in the face. And then afterwards, after he beats him and he's knocked unconscious, he's just throwing quarters at MJF on the ground while he's leaving with the title. I was like, Tommy, you are fucking brilliant. Like that is, that would be just next level storytelling. But uh, what'd you think about tag match? What do you think about the future with MJF and, and um, Cole obviously and FTR having uh, banger after banger, man. For uh, tag team title matches. Fucking Tommy Dreamer's out listening to our podcast about the quarter roll of quarter finish that I've been trying to get brought back for forever. You let that thing explode when you punch someone with it. That's like a way better spot than the brass knuckles, um, which is like involved in the storyline because, you know, MJF says that when he was younger and people used to pick on him, they called him Jew boy and they threw quarters at him and rolls of quarters. So it's just great. really be a part of it. Yeah, that, that that is a great Tom Tommy. Why are they not letting you book more? Yeah, I was gonna say as far as the match goes, I thought it, I thought it was a pretty fun match, but it, it's you know it's surpassed by what is gonna go. Whatever happens with MJF, like I said, he's the biggest star in their company, so. It kind of overshadows everything else. FTR, they need a good tag team opponent. I would suggest that they bring in Motor City Machine Guns, as I do each week, because the tag team division right now uh, in AEW is abysmal because they decided to do a trios title and then a bunch of people got injured. Yeah. uh, Just uh, kind of annoying when it comes to that, but yeah, and, and that's what's crazy is that Jay and Juice and then also obviously MJF and Adam, they're not really tag teams. They're kind of put together. It's something that we bitch about with uh, WWE doing. Now it's working out with both of those cases, but yeah, we don't have an actual tag team to feud with. Um, so FTR kind of, you're right, they need like someone to be a long-term feud for their title, so... I love the idea of the Motor City Machine Guns coming in. Um, 
If we're looking at groups, uh, I mean, pride and powerful. Where are they at? They're actually there's there's rumors that not only did they work their stuff out, Santana and Ortiz, but they're on their way back. So, um, if that's true, I would definitely send them after FTR. Yeah, that that I mean that would make the most sense. Unless, like I said, Motor City Machine Guns would be kind of like a one-off thing because they're both really high up in Impact right now, carrying that show. Uh, both Alex Shelley and Chris Saban have meaningful storylines going on in that company. Uh, but I do want that fucking match <laughs> at the yeah. same time. But Pride and Powerful would be something that they at least you're giving. It still doesn't fix the issue with their tag team division, but it at least gives FTR something to do on a week-to-week basis of feuding with those guys yeah, if Pride and Powerful comes back. Uh, yeah, that, and I love those guys. I hope they did work it out, and I hope they are headed back because I miss Ortiz and Santana. I really do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're impossible to not love. They're great together as a tag team. And I, you know what? Bring Conan in. If not, not every single time, but I'm sure that he would have no problem. Like that was such a great package deal. At Impact was Conan speaking with those guys and hyping them up but they can also speak themselves, you know? Um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see on that for sure. But a I lot mean, of good it, stuff. It would be awesome if they, it, it would be awesome if they actually did a new LAX with like Andrade and the pride and powerful and Conan and maybe Roosh. Like they kind of started that they were going to do that with Andrade and Roosh. And then it fell off a cliff, but like, you know, it's been some Kingston months. Was a part of it. Yeah, you could you could you could do something like that. I think that'd be awesome. All right, so that's collision. Let's move over to Raw. I'm trying to think of like I know the main event was kind of just throwaway. Um, I love the stuff at the beginning. Let me just say, Houston, Texas. I'm gonna I'm gonna pay attention more because you guys were one of the best fans and crowds I've seen participate. With pro wrestling, you weren't trying to put yourself over the whole entire fucking time, and you were cheering for baby faces and booing for heels. So even though that seems like common sense, I appreciate that that part of Texas, Booker T's home, uh, knows what the fuck's up because especially this beginning part, Logan Paul's so good at being a natural heel. He embraces it. He doesn't give a fuck if people are are, are you know just just the fact that he was like. Get it, you know, just going to the audience and slapping hands. And when he gets in there, he just completely decimates Houston and starts talking shit about them. Uh, I thought Ricochet looked great. I think that he was definitely uh, getting the high that was the pop that he was receiving that I don't think normally he gets. And I think because of the perception of how the crowd reacted to it, it put a lot more in this. And when Logan started talking about Samantha Irvin, the announcer who is engaged to Ricochet. Um, I thought he was going to go a little bit further with it. You know, the fact that if he wins, that she'll be uh, screaming his name out of her mouth. But they didn't go that far. You know, Ricochet attacked him before he could say anything else. But uh, I thought that was some pretty goddamn good heel tactics. So whoever made up that concept and, and produced this segment, Definitely had to do with the audience reaction, but it ended up working. And I care a lot about this match more so than I did beforehand. Just don't try to do a fucking Spanish fly 
from the apron through tables to the outside. Just don't do that. But these guys are going to, they're going to go fucking crazy tonight, man. Yeah, it's going to be, it may end up being the match of the night just because I expect that these guys are going to do a bunch of crazy shit. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy it. I like that Ricochet is getting a little bit of love and a push. I think that he's going to lose to Logan Paul in this match, unfortunately. And the only reason I say that is Logan Paul has not won his like last three matches. Not that he needs to. I don't to, think he's ever won. Yeah, <laughs> but at some point you got to give the guy a win. Right. And uh, Ricochet is always the guy that loses, it seems. So <laughs> I think that, that that might be the outcome. Um, Logan Paul is, is surprised the hell out of me as far as how good he has been. I agree, though. No Spanish flies. No falling no. off a ladder to land on the ropes to do a Spanish fly through tables. <laughs> that might be that might be trying to do too much. <laughs> Like how how in the hell were they expecting that to work? Like they would have both had to land on the top rope perfect, which is going to flex differently for each person, grab each other, and then springboard off through tables. Like so, whoever the booking agent of that match, he should have been paying more attention to be like, I don't think that that's going to work. <laughs> like that doesn't. Uh, I mean, it, it technically worked, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but they almost died. Yeah. Well, um, they need to be careful about that for sure. <laughs> to say the least. Um, another match that I got to be honest with you, Chris, I didn't really care for. And um, I know uh, Rhonda is ending her, her run with WWE. Um, I think this is going to be her last event. And she's doing obviously with her friend. Um, but the, the, the video package they put together and the honest emotions, I, it's one thing, man. And, uh, I forgot the dude from impact, uh, that now works there. They've even gotten better, but the whole back and forth and Rhonda crying about, you know, their, their friendship. Uh, I thought both ladies were really good in it. And they, like I said, I didn't give a shit about their match. And now it kind of added a little bit more to it. You know, we used to give shit to WWE because. They weren't able to do that, so it's it's good to see them like, okay, maybe people don't care about as much as this. We're going to do this video package and really try to, like, pull on the heartstrings. I just don't know who the fuck I'm supposed to root for. Is the heel Shayna Baszler or is the heel Ronda Rousey? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the problem with the match in general is neither people are cared about either way. Um because they haven't had them do anything except for tag matches and the women's tag division is abysmal. So it's, uh, I don't know. I think you're supposed to cheer for Shayna because she's the one that got Rhonda into wrestling. Um, and she's obviously the one that went through all the processes of being a wrestler where Rhonda came in as like, I'm a celebrity MMA person who wants to do wrestling. So I think that is the story. Um, the vignette was good. Jeremy Borash, by the way, your boy. Yeah. Always putting these video packages together. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that I care about the match. I don't I honestly don't think it's going to be that good. I feel like the only way that Ronda really works well is if she has someone a little smaller, like a Becky or a Bailey, 
who is really, really next level good in the ring with her. I mean, there's a, and even then, you know, when you go back to that WrestleMania, the reason they put Charlotte in that match is they needed a ring general to make sure that Ronda looked good in the match. So it's kind of one of those things where I don't know, like if you go back and watch Ronda's matches, they've not been the best. Um, so it's a, it's a weird one. And then also I feel like the story itself came like, like four years too late. Yeah, that's definitely true, man. But you know, this was kind of a filler episode of Rob. I mean, they had, like I said, Seth Rollins and, uh, um, God dang it, Sami Zayn going over uh, Dominic and Damian Priest. But we'll get to more stuff involving them, especially the championship match with Seth and Finn when we go over to SummerSlam and preview it last. So let's move over to yeah, so, so with uh with the Sammy and Seth, the reason they're thrown together is that uh Kevin Owens has cracked ribs right now and he has been wrestling injured for a while. So that is the reason it, that he has not been a bigger part of the show the past two weeks with Sammy and Kevin. Um, he he can't wrestle. So I would be curious to see if he actually wrestles on SummerSlam. Um, did, did, do, does Sammy and Kevin even have a match booked? I can't remember. Not that uh, I'm aware of. Nothing was announced, so I don't think there's a tag match. But I I, th- I thought maybe they asked him some time off because he was banged up. I didn't realize he had cracked ribs, though. So that fucking yeah. sucked. You know, I want him to get better, and I like that since Sammy's such a star, he can do his own thing, and we don't have to pull the titles off of Kevin unless, obviously, he's going to be out for a very long time. But hopefully he can uh, get over that a little while. You know, DDP used to do this thing where he would just wrap around the ribs, and no one <laughs> knew that he had messed up ribs at all somehow. Uh, the diamond cutter. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> maybe maybe that's going to be Kevin Owens's gimmick, though. It'll look more ridiculous than when DDP did it. Uh, no, I think they've done a good job with Sammy. I, I was just pointing that out for those who aren't in the know. That's why you're not seeing as much as Kevin and Sammy together. There's not there's not any other underlying thing other than Kevin is just really banged up. So they're giving him some time to hopefully recover. <laughs> before they go on to whatever the next piece of their story is. Yep. All right. Uh, let's open up Dynamite, go over a couple things. Um, so I like that Don Callis is getting over so much as a heel. He even gets attacked by people in fucking Mexico while screaming for Conan's um, attention. If you guys didn't hear about <laughs> that, that literally happened. Uh, they... Kenny was going to be going against Vikingo. They were doing a press thing. He ended up losing to Vikingo. Uh, great match, too, at Triple Mania. Uh, but before that, they were doing some press stuff, and Don Callis and uh, Tenoshke, or Kenoshke uh, Takeshka came and you know started shit. And when a brawl broke out between uh, Takeshka and Omega, one of some guy that was over there just came up and started choking and fucking slammed uh, Don Callis on the ground. and punched his ear and, uh, you know, uh, fucked up his eardrum a little bit and uh, twisted him. And he was going, Conan, Conan, in the background, and no one noticed (laughs) the the fake brawl going on in front of him. So glad Don didn't get stabbed. You know, I just hear those Arena Mexican, uh, Mexico uh, 
tales of getting pennies and quarters thrown at you or, you know, them filling up fucking cups of pee and throwing it on the heels and shit. Like, they take that stuff pretty seriously. So Don Callis, uh, officially a heat magnet. I, I, the weirdest part about that entire situation is the guy that attacked him fucking works for AAA. So you would think he's in the know. <laughs> that was that was wild. It's still real to me, damn it, I guess. But you would, th- you would think that if you have a guy that's a cameraman or whatever that guy was doing would be in the know of, hey, we're filming this thing for the sh- TV show. Do you think Conan had five people drag him into a room so he could beat the shit out of him? That guy's probably fucking dead. Who knows? It's it's Arena Mexico. Anything goes there. Conan's like, I don't need this type of fucking publicity. (laughs) Yeah. And then Disco dances on top of him. Anyways. um, He put a title on him. He's going to be the champion for the next six years. Tom Callis, the mega champion. Oh, that'd be great. Um, But how are you? So I like, like I was going to say, I like that he's building his Don Callis family or whatever. I don't know how I feel about this whole Jericho storyline with, is he going to fuck over his group, his second group that he's had? Why should I really care about it? Or is he going to go with Don Callis? And the funniest thing is that Don Callis gave him a painting of the two of them and he did the same exact thing to Omega. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I, I like everything with Don. I think he's getting mega heat. He's getting that Dominic heat. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I just don't know how I feel about this interaction with Jericho. I, I feel like Don Callis is doing a great job. I'm, I'm kind of on the same boat of you with Jericho. And I think it's more just that Jericho needs to go away for a little bit. Go learn a new hold. It's not, it's not even that. It's like whenever Jericho would start getting stale in WWE, he would go away for like six months, a year or whatever, and then come back and, and the absence makes the heart grow fonder. And I really think that he is kind of in that situation. He's pretty much wrestled every main event person that they have. Uh, and he's had two factions. Like, I'm not I'm not saying, like, leave forever, Jericho. I'm just saying, like, it might be a good idea for him to, you know, step away for three or four months and then come back in some capacity. And Jericho would come back with a different character or whatever, like he always does. Uh, I think that they have hit the limit of what they can do with Jericho. Just because he has wrestled everyone. You name a main eventer, he's wrestled. The only person he hasn't really had a feud with is CM Punk. So unless they're going to do Punk versus Jericho, like, I don't, there's no need for him to be around right now. He could just take a break, come back. They would reset all the feuds, all of the things that he's had going on maybe come up with something a little different for Jericho to do. Uh, Jericho is getting a lot of heat right now, and I don't really think it's because of the work Jericho is doing. I think it's because people are just stale on Jericho as a character in AEW because he is literally he's since he started AEW, that guy has never left. He wasn't injured. He didn't go to rehab like Moxley. He's he's kind of always been on the show. And it's one of those things where it's like when you're that goddamn consistent, people get tired of you. Look at John Cena for instance. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that would actually be very beneficial for Jericho. And I would like to see another character. That's one thing that's great about Jericho is that he always reinvents himself. And I think that you are right. He has been consistent. 
and at there for a very long time and maybe a new coat of paint, you know, and just absence makes the uh, heart grow fonder. Those terms kind of apply to the situation. And but uh, we'll see what happens. I'm just I don't know. Like I also if, if like a bunch of like young kids that I was mentoring and helping out all like were bitching me out in the hallway. I would just tell them to go to their room. But, you know. You know, Anna J, she's uh, she's got a bad attitude and something else. I can't remember what it was. Badass. <laughs> you got a great ass. <laughs> and your head is up. It. Um, <laughs> another big thing, probably the biggest thing on Dynamite. I Now, this is just for a match for next Friday. Eh. Um, I hope there's more. I, I expect... Obviously, the ending is hook. I don't know if that is for all out or all in, but, you know, a lot of people predicted this. Um, Him going through a couple ECW guys would be a good way to build up Jungle Boy. Uh, But, like, RVD, man, like, it was so awesome. You know, with Jerry Lynn coming out and being like, dude, I got screws in my neck. I can't fucking get in the ring with you. But someone I'm really good friends with Ken, and I don't know if anyone caught this. I did. It seemed like there wasn't just an RVD chant. There was also a Tommy chant. So I think the fans were like, it's going to be Tommy Dreamer or RVD. And it ended up being RVD, which is great. I just hope that, all right, say that they have a match, which Rob, he looks like still very stiff, but I know that he is much more of a physical fitness nut. So he takes care of himself. And I don't remember him doing really anything a couple, like a year and a half ago when he was Impact that was embarrassing or anything like that. You know, he's older, obviously. So maybe they have a match next week. Jungle Boy fucks him over, whatever. But damn, if you have Rob Van Dam, see if you can get like, I would expect, especially since I know Omega has said he was a huge influence on him, you would try to do a fucking dream match like Rob Van Dam versus Kenny Omega. So I hope this is the first of other stuff. And I don't think, especially if Jungle Boy is nefarious about it, that would really fuck over Rob Van Dam if he loses next week because he's Rob Van Dam. And maybe Jungle Boy then goes against, I don't know if I bring Sabu back because I think he almost killed himself uh, the last time. But like Tommy, if you want to have him come out for a match and then he kendo sticks the shit out of him, uh, you know, this could help Jungle Boy build up. He's doing better as a heel than a babyface. I think he should always wear the sunglasses, though. I've, I've heard lots of people say that, that I listened to from Brian Last and uh, Jim Cornette to Tommy and, and, and Bully Ray and David LaGreca. Uh, I just, when he has those on, he just comes off more like a douche. And, yeah, I, I don't know what he's doing, but I think this is actually good for Jungle Boy. Uh, I just, like I said, I hope that there's more of Rob Van Dam. But how did you feel, Chris? When you heard Walk from Pantera play, because that's one good thing about Tony Khan, he will get you the, that. <laughs> I immediately thought they're going to do this match at Wembley and Pantera is going to fucking play. That's what that my immediate thought was. They're going to get Pantera and they're on tour right now to come do an AEW show. And I was so hyped about it. <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> were you uh, were you less hyped when you found out this is going to be a match for next Friday or next? Is it next Friday or next next Wednesday? Sorry, next dynamite. No, 
because I feel like it'll carry over. Because like, why the hell else would you bring in Rob Van Dam? I feel like that might be like a two match thing. I would, you yeah. would one would hope. Uh, I mean, I'm still hyped if Pantera plays on Wednesday versus Wembley. I don't <laughs> it doesn't affect me. I'm excited to see uh see Zach Wild in that lineup, man. I'm just a big Pantera fan. I think that's more of the what I took away from this. Was like fucking love Pantera. Uh, no, this is this is interesting. Um, if you remember, like when Rob Van Dam was in Impact, I was really I really loved the character he was playing. He was like drinking uh, champagne and smoking blunts in the hot tub with Katie Forbes and a bunch of other ladies. Do you remember this? Oh yeah, no, I loved it. And he was talking shit about. He was talking shit about Seth Rollins and Kenny Omega and that if it wasn't for him, none of y'all would be doing this type of stuff and blah, blah, blah. And it was – I loved it. I thought it was great. And then, then he left. And I was like I, – I, I was hoping for a run in WWE. Like I would have loved to have seen something with him and Matt Riddle. They definitely wanted to do something, but they basically retired him, if you will, by putting him in the Hall of Fame. But uh, yeah. now if he does a couple matches in AEW, you know, whatever he wants to do. Great. I don't want all of them to be with Jungle Boy, per se. Uh, also, how would you feel if, you know, he goes through Rob Van Dam and then the next obstacle, music hits and it's Man in the Box? Will you? Uh, will that be some nostalgia as well? Yeah, that'd be great. What if, what if, what if uh, Enter the Sandman starts to play? <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> Here, but here's the thing, though. That's another thing. It's like, I am a dork, and I'm like, Omega and, and Robin Dam. It's like, if you got Sandman to come in, shouldn't he have a match with Moxley? Hell yeah, he should. It'd be awesome. If, they're, if you're just going to hit each other with shit, it doesn't really matter if Sandman's in shape or not. I know Moxley. So, he said it was his first favorite wrestler <laughs> in an interview. But Sandman is a terrible in-ring wrestler, but he is great as a character in ECW. So if you're going to do something like that, he would be a great fucking guy to bring in. Yeah, uh, that, would, that would just be so much fun. And I, I, I loved it when Moxley on the Jericho Cruise uh, did the tribute to him and had a White Claw. I'm glad he's, uh, he's not drinking anymore, but like at the time, he did the whole fucking Sandman bash it against his head with a White Claw. <laughs> Yeah, well, to, to be fair to us, we didn't know at the time that he had like a real deep-seated problem, you yeah. know. <laughs> so, it was a cool it, tribute. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Hey, it, this this is working in some regard for Jungle Boy, so that's good because I don't think it he's is. had much push in a while in a positive direction. They should have went with my fucking idea and had him turn heel in that four-way match. Yep. Instead of doing it like the next week. Like that, that is my more frustration of the jungle boy thing is like, you had the perfect opportunity to turn him heel. Cause MJF has been in his ear this entire time telling him like, this is the way you have to be. If you want to be a top guy, if you want to be a top champion, basically Hulk Hoganing him, he doesn't turn heel in that match. And then like on Wednesday turns heel. You're like, the fuck, why would you, Whatever they're they're doing some rehab on it. Um, I'm more interested to see what they do with Hook than Jungle Boy because I feel like I, 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 Hook is better than Jungle Boy. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. But this will be uh, this will be interesting. I mean, a lot of the stuff afterwards were fun matches, but like we talked a little bit about the MGF promo, um, and I guess I got my times wrong. 
But this is this is the time when he offered Adam Cole a match. They hugged and then they go to the back and Roderick Strong's going ape shit, fucking destroying stuff. So uh, but I also like that Matt Taven and Mike Bennett uh, kind of interrupted and they claimed that, you know, Cole fucking basically forgot them last night during Rampage. They showed a package of them in Ring of Honor, which is very beneficial. The kingdom, the original kingdom with Mike Bennett, Maria Bennett. Um, Matt Taven and Adam Cole was the leader, and then he ended up screwing them over, so now they're kind of like, because they're a good tag team, and they're not even fucking using them. They signed them, so cool to get some storylines, some stuff involving MJF and uh, Adam Cole, you know, to lead to their match at Wembley, where Adam Cole just completely fucks him over and throws quarters at him. That'd be one hell of a finish. I hope they do something like that, because... Man, that I think that'll get super over. Do you remember, like, even going back to the very beginning of AEW, when MJF is telling his story of his childhood, and he's a babyface, and he's in Cody's corner, and he throws the towel in for Cody? That guy has been over since day one in that company. Yep. Like, it, it it's insane um, how good he is, and it kind of, like, if you're, like, Triple H, right? Like, and I know oh. it's teased that he's going to go somewhere, but if you're like, if you are in any other wrestling company, you're like, that that's the fucking guy, right? <laughs> so it, it, it makes me frustrated that they haven't found a way to put the rocket on the dude, get him, get him more over, get him on like uh late night TV shows and get him like, you know, do the <clears throat> WWE ass WWE thing where like, hey, we're going to put the rocket on this guy, get him on Howard Stern. You know, get him on like a uh, late night with uh, whatever the fucking Letterman, I guess, retired. But uh, whoever, like all of those other Joe various Rogan, Howard Stern, you know, your normal outlets, basically, to kind of like talk about shit. Uh, yeah, I and, I th- and he's the perfect guy because he's so good with a mic like he could he could do it like you, you've heard that Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast he did with MJF like he's fucking oh. perfect. Right? Regardless of what uh, his character would be, whether he's babyface or not babyface, uh, I think they like that is one thing that AEW doesn't do the best job of is getting out there in media outlets outside of wrestling podcasts, which is a subset of a market that you know not everyone listens to wrestling podcasts. I hate, I hate to tell them, uh, get get him involved with other shit. WWE does a much better job of that with bringing in celebrities and being on ESPN and doing sports illustrated. And that's something that they should definitely do. And if you're going to have a guy spearhead that it should be MJF. I kind of went on a tangent there that wasn't really related to what we were talking about, but it's just something no, man, I, I, mean, I, I, I completely agree with you though. I, I, I do. And I mean, here's the thing it's coming up soon. He's said it a bunch of times in the past, you know, and who knows, maybe he's happy he'll stay there. But if MJF goes to WWE, especially how big Cody is right now and how fucking hot, like, a lot of the talents are individually. Like, we haven't seen it, like, this level where there's honestly – and LA Knight, for instance, is another guy. You know, if they get MJF, or if I was them, I'd be looking at, first of all, the two big guys, Wardlow and fucking Powerhouse Hobbs, because they don't do shit with them. And then I would be looking at people like, obviously, MJF, but also we talked about him earlier, Ricky Starks. You know, some of those guys, it just seems like either they're they're bigger dudes, so WWE would be better for them, or they're 
it's like you could see him doing promos on fucking Ron shit. So it's uh, it's interesting. I, if I was Tony, I'd be fucking really making sure that shit doesn't happen. That's all. Yeah, I would. Fi- I would fire five other wrestlers to keep MJF. So whatever contract WWE threw through his way, uh, I would make sure that I match that maybe double. Because without him, uh, without him and without Omega. Like I, I think if they lose him, Omega, and the Bucks, then that company is in a in real bad shape. Yeah, uh, it's coming up soon, so we'll find out. It's very interesting. But on the other hand, because uh, this is pretty much, you know, it for the show. They had a great tag match, Ring of Honor tag titles. Uh, the the Kingo and Commander against Aussie Open. Um. And I think Vikingo and Commander are related, or is Commander related to... No, 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 that's Gravity, who was shown lack of gravity from Samoa Joe on Collision. Um, that's Bandito's brother, and then Commander, I think, is brothers with Vikingo. There's always, like, brother, you know, luchador groups. It's pretty <laughs> amazing how that happens so much. Speaking of Joe, whenever once anyone tries to do a crossbody, his walk off is the best. Like he just walks away and the guy misses. Someone put a compilation out of there where he's done it throughout his entire career of doing that. So it's like funny. one of my fucking favorite things. <laughs> yeah. No, I I completely agree. Uh, so here's the the big thing that was announced, and we got to hear it from the elite. All of them have re-signed. Uh, they're going to be here. You'll probably you probably know more details. I'm assuming, Chris, on uh, the details of like how long it's going to be. But apparently, uh, Kenny, uh, Adam, and both the Bucks will be at AEW for several years to come. So that's good for Tony. Okay. Yeah, I, I did not hear that. So that like truncates my previous statement of losing talent because obviously they're not. I guess they're not going anywhere. Um, yeah, no, that's news to me. I haven't heard anything about that. Yep, I, I, I think they even said, I think Kenny mentioned it during the promo that he was saying, but yeah, all of them are going to be around for a while, so that's good. As far as the Elite, I'm sure fans are happy about that. And then we had a video where Shane Strickland and oh. Air Fox, dude, I'm so happy they're together in a tag team. They beat the shit. They went to um, the Wayne's... Uh, whatever nick wayne's uh place and beat the crap out of his son uh and then called darby allen and were taunting him on uh nick wayne's uh phone but just a brutal if anyone watched lucha underground i love the matches i forgot what air fox's name was but obviously shane trickland was kill shot and they had some brutal hardcore matches uh, and then they end up becoming like a, a unit and a tag team. And now it seems like they're doing it on this. And uh, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Um, but how'd you like that segment? And like the whole thing of them calling Darby Allen and like off of his phone and talking to him. And it was so menacing. And also I, I did, uh, did, uh, did, did Moxley teach him how to do a blade job? Did good. Yeah. He was covered. Yeah. Yeah, it was really, really great seeing them go up to the Buddy Wayne training school of wrestling. Um, I'd be curious if they get Brian Alvarez involved in this, someone that's worked with Buddy Wayne and knows that family very well at some point. It's an interesting storyline. 
Uh, Nick Wayne is incredibly talented for a dude that's like 19. So I'm excited to see what they do with that. Uh, you know, being here from the A-Town, AR Fox is a legend. So I'm glad to see that he's out here putting in work 30 years into his wrestling career, finally on TV. Uh, uh, we had the opportunity to see him in at GCW. That was incredible. So I, I'm just glad to see AR Fox getting like an actual push and being part of a storyline. And uh, in the show Heels, there is uh, the character that signs with the the other wrestling company. I can't think of his name. Rooster. Uh, I, I am almost 100 percent sure that Rooster is based on AR Fox. <laughs> So whenever I see Rooster in that show, I think of AR Fox. But yeah, this is a uh, this is good shit, dude. I like it a lot. Yeah, me too, dude. I'm trying to think. Like uh, besides that, we have the main event. But is there anything else? Pretty much. Nope. Main event, and I mean, just get to it. Tony Storm lost at Hiroshita for the belt, and now it's back on Shida, which I think is good. Tony had a little bit of time to make up for her. What was Britt Baker bitching about that she didn't have a real championship because it was inaugural or whatever the fuck? So they got her more time. Uh, I think they need to redo the Outcasts altogether. Uh, I don't understand. Really, don't understand how you have Paige and she's actually, you know, I know she's limited and can't do as much, but how you don't do more with her, or I don't know if she's repairable at this time, but we'll, we'll find out. But I don't think I think the three of them need something. She is a great champion. She always is. Uh, but I think that, I mean, to me, it's going to go. Thunder Rosa, whenever they decide to let her come back, should be going for that fucking belt immediately because she, just like CM Punk was bitching about and they let him do, you know, she didn't lose a championship. She got injured. And I kind of want to get it back to her and Brit because to me, Brit needs to go back to being a heel. Um, and since she can't do it with Jamie Hayter, maybe back with Thunder Rosa. I don't know if she can get along with her, but that's how I felt. I'm glad it went to Hiroshima. We'll find out what happens next, but I hope it's Thunderosa. Yeah, I personally don't like Hiroshima that much uh, in ring. So I'm hoping either at Wembley they're going to bring back Thunder Rosa or Jamie Hader to take the title off of her. Jamie Hader would make a lot of sense if she's healthy yep. and ready to go. Yep, uh, definitely. The women's division in AEW is not good. Especially when you compare it to both Impact and WWE. And that's not even like going into like the stardom world of things. It's it I, I don't know how that they have so many talented people, but have found zero ways to make that division interesting. You know, part of it was there were the logjam with Jade Cargill holding the belt for so long, which I didn't think that she had a terrible run or anything. It's just it's hard to build stars when Jade Cargill is beating not only just normal, you know, wrestlers that are in the mid card, but also beating all of the people that are challenging for the heavyweight title or the women's top title. Um they they've had so many missteps with that women's division and it's just it it's baffling. Uh the one the couple of positive things they did was like Jamie Hader, but they never really got around to them feud like Britt Baker and Jamie Hader feuding. We've talked about that in the past where it's almost like the the uh Bailey Sasha Banks thing. Um 
I'm assuming that a lot of their stories changed because Sasha Bank, you know, broke her ankle. I felt like they were going to do more with Sasha uh, in this company. But there is a, uh, like, as far as the Soraya, the Defector group or whatever they're the outcast or whatever they're calling themselves that group that that entire thing sucks <laughs> i don't have a nice yeah. way to put it. it like it's it's fucking terrible they're kind of trying to do an nwo thing but it's like no one really cares uh the most positive things about the women's division right now in aw would be chris statlander and uh, jade cargill when she comes back i think will be a positive she thing comes back She's been putting Tony at bl- on blast with stuff, saying she's done with wrestling. I don't know what the fuck's going on with her, but I kind of felt like, even though I can agree with some of the things that Jade was saying, and I don't know if you've heard about any of this, uh, at the same time, it's like, really? He puts a title on you, gives you all these fucking wins, and then at the end of it, you're like, peace? I thought it was a gimmick. Well, some of the stuff that she was complaining about didn't seem very gimmicky. Um, it seemed like it worked to me, honestly. Well, but, okay, I mean, maybe maybe uh, I don't. That would make sense. But yeah, but she is one of the wrestlers that have nothing to complain about. Like, you went, you won all of no. your matches except for one throughout your entire career. <laughs> so, And you got a team with Shaquille O'Neal. I feel like you've had a pretty good run for a rookie wrestler. <laughs> yeah. Like, like exactly. ima- imagine if you're Ruby Soho and you're reading like Jay Cargill's rant against Tony Khan. That's why I thought it was a gimmick. I was like, cause it's, that's just so fucking ridiculous to me. <laughs> like you were booked stronger than anyone in that entire company. So I, I just assumed it was going to be like, kind of like what MJF, like kind of what MJF does where he blurs the lines a little bit. Uh, with con- contract stuff, uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she just is either that delusional? like yeah, delusional because like what what they did for her as a wrestler, uh, not many people get a push like that. But <laughs> you know, so that's kind of a that's kind of funny. Um, yeah, that, that women's division they would uh, they would do very very well if they could figure out a way to bring in like Jordan Grace. Or they they need something. They need an influx of talent uh, but, that is not associated with these outsiders, and that storyline is just not working. So they need to kill that off. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and also utilize some of the females. Like we have Mercedes Martinez in a match finally, and now she's involved with something going forward with Chris Statlander. Well, where the fuck was she? Why was she? you have Mercedes Martinez? You got. Kira Hogan, who just now has come back recently, like they weren't injured. It's like you got some women that you signed to contracts. Like, I don't know. How about use them and maybe use some of the ones that are more known than some of the newer ones that are really green as fuck to watch in the ring. I know she's got a bad attitude and a big ass, but I, uh, yeah, you know, Ty Valkyrie also, or not Ty Valkyrie, Tony Khan, um, had recently said some things about his women's division in general. Did you hear any of that? No. Was he ridiculous def- ridiculously defensive on it? He was not. He was more like opposite of kind of ignoring its existence. <laughs> uh, which is fine. Like, if you want to do an all-male wrestling company, just do that. But then, like, you don't need, I don't know. Look, if I was like a teenage girl 
Dane, uh, and I was tuning in to watch female wrestling, this ain't it, dude. <laughs> Did you know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> Where's the woman of a thousand holds? Like, uh, you know, my my favorite match of the year so far, and I, I will still defend this, even though Kenny and Will have had some great matches, is still Rhea versus Charlotte at that fucking Mania yeah. match. That's, that's been one of the best matches I've seen all year. And it's like, you have the ability to do that. You just have to put the time and effort that, like, WWE puts in to getting those people to where they are. Not everyone's going to be Rhea or Charlotte Flair, for instance, but, like, if you tell meaningful stories... Like that, the buildup to that match is over the course of almost two years, with Charlotte winning the uh, NXT the the NXT titles feud and stuff that she had with Rhea originally. Then the buildup of Rhea's character to that match is like that's what you have to do, but you have to actually spend time and invest in the women's division for anyone to care about it, and and that's why WWE and Impact are you know miles and miles ahead as far as women's wrestling goes in comparison to AEW. AEW should either just, I mean, they should just not do it. You know, New Japan doesn't do it. You don't necessarily have to have a women's division, but it's kind of bullshit if you're going to have one and then, you know, book it the way that you guys book it, which is complete trash. Throw it in yeah, terrible always, spots. Always 930. The dead zone. You're putting the match for people to have pee breaks before the main event. Every fucking week. And it's the women's match. Yeah, I mean it's too it's too mean to compare it to like what they were doing in WWE with the Divas era, but like they they started out really good with wrestlers like Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker and having these big women's matches, and they have dialed that shit completely back. And I think it's just statistical analysis. They just look at like women's matches lose ratings. I was like, they can also gain ratings. You just got to do a better job of putting these women over. Like, if you look at Rhea Ripley, for instance, she's, like, one of the hottest things in WWE. She's the reason why they're doing so well on Raw a lot of nights. Like, if you look at her segments, you just got to do a good job of getting getting these people over. That's on you as a company, not on female wrestling. Uh, so it was kind of annoying that he was a little bit dismissive of female wrestling in that sense. Was that the same interview where the guy asked him about uh, Triple H's comments on the, uh, the Cody Rhodes thing? I, I think so. Um, Triple H just, started, just knows the perfect way to piss off Tony Khan whenever he gets asked a question. Yeah, and 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 here's the thing: it's like, did Triple H have to fucking say that? No. Is it a shot? Yes. Is it true? Yes. Does I mean, Triple H give a shit? <laughs> no. Yeah. But. <laughs> Tony, you know, him getting defensive about it and going off on a tangent about how they're bigger than WWE over in the UK and a lot of countries in Europe. And I'm like, all right, they're man. not. They're not, though. <laughs> He's like, we're beating them in a lot of demographics. I was like, what demographic? Like, yes, you're going to have a big show at Wembley and that it will probably break the wrestling record of Wembley. But WWE hasn't done a show like a WrestleMania at Wembley. You know what I mean? And, so it's like, and what did uh, John Cena come out and say? Basically, we're going to UK for Mania soon. <laughs> yes. So it's like, what what demographics are they breaking? They're on a stronger television network in the UK. The UK is a smaller wrestling audience, um, yeah, passionate population. audience, a smaller wrestling audience than the United States. So it's like you're you're like if you're trying to compare yourself to Raw and SmackDown, they're getting their asses 
cleanly handled to them. <laughs> like, it's not even close. Like, and I don't normally compare that, but like, uh, one thing Triple H said, and I think this is a couple, this is like maybe a month back when they were like, well, NXT was losing to, because they brought it up in one of those uh, press calls that they do for their investors. And he's like, yeah, but NXT is our developmental brand. And then just shrugged it off. Like, God damn it. Just all, like, I mean, clearly, all the <laughs> statement that he makes is he goes, Cody was doing great things. He helped build a company, uh, you know, and stuff like that. But at the same time, I don't think he wanted to be just the poster boy for a secondary wrestling company. You know, his dreams were to have the title in WWE. And it's like, yeah, that's definitely a little bit of a slap, but is that is there anything untrue about that statement? And it's also hard to be mad at Triple H because like AEW takes so many fucking shots at WWE all of the time totally on their product. So like if like Triple H is just gonna just be honest, right? <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's kind of hard to get mad at him. I saw a lot of people got mad at Triple H about that. I was like, I I don't know. I mean like. This company's over here firing rockets at you on a weekly basis. <laughs> if he wants to say that they're a secondary company, it's true. If AEW, you know, AEW should prove him wrong. There's yeah. ways to do that. Like I said with MJF, he should be on every fucking thing that you can get him on. If he's going to be your champion, he's going to be your guy. That's your top guy. Put him everywhere. Well, the thing is, I think, and we've we've all said this. A lot of people have said this. They completely can get to even a higher level, but they got to stop pertaining to just the AEW mark audience and actually do some stuff, video packages, like we said, explaining certain wrestlers that just come in out of nowhere, even though obviously me and you think it's absolutely ridiculous that someone doesn't know Kazuchika Okada. If you want to try to grab and keep people that tune in for the first time, Explain some fucking shit or go out of your way to like get past just your core audience. And I don't I don't know if, if Tony really cares about doing that. And that's fine. If he wants to pertain to the audience he has, that's great. He cares about his audience. They're very passionate and loyal. It almost and I don't mean this really in an insult. It reminds me of people that and I've said this that love the Zack Snyder DC universe, you know, they're very, very loyal and shit like that. The only difference is, I think, obviously, AEW does better than that. Oh, God, I'm going to get hate from, like, everyone now. Um, <laughs> Sorry, uh, for whatever reason, I got Skype threw me on hold, so I had to figure out how to resume calls, so I apologize. Uh, I could hear you, but you could not hear me. Um, so, yeah, no, I agree with everything that you said as far as it, – it's one of the most – If you want to get to the next level and not be a secondary company, you got to start pertaining to not just your fucking main uh, fan base. That and, like, you don't always need to talk about the other company that's fucking bigger than you. Yep. Because at some point, like, we have seen that if you, if you watched WCW – it that shit turns against you and it turned against you in a major way with Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes was the destroyer of the throne, but when he left the company and went to WWE, that's like, you know, <laughs> that's kind of fucked up, right? Like it's, it's, it's those kind of things like the constant, 
alluding to WWE and what WWE is doing and taking shots at them. That makes me like when Triple H throws out a comment like that, it's hard to disagree with. Uh, I mean, the Bloodline storyline is one of the best storylines in wrestling during my entire life. Yeah. Like, through current wrestling. Like, it is that fucking good. So, like, for you to just be taking, like, weird pop shots all the time, which you've yelled about multiple times on this show, and I kind of just like, eh, well, I mean, I kind of get it. But at this point, you're, you know, you're getting your ass kicked. So, you got to figure out something new. And the new thing is, like, you know, you got MJF. That's your that's your Ric Flair or your, you know, it, let's look at it as like 90s WCW versus, you know, WWF during that time period. Build around that guy. He should be on every morning show, fucking news outlets, like all of that stuff. The WWE does so well, you have to do that that well. You know, unless you're just OK with it being where it is. And that may be a thing like it, like it could that could be potentially fine, I guess. Um, but, you know, we when this company first started, they were, you know, they specifically said they wanted to be direct competition to WWE. Well, you have to do all of the WWE things to be a direct competition. Like you're doing big numbers in Wembley. It's the first time you ever went to England. You know, WWE goes there like five times a year. It's it's little stuff like that. It's like, well, you know, WWE is going to do WrestleMania there eventually, and it'll be a bigger number. So they're not that much worried about that demographic. So I I'm not even trying to bang on Tony Khan and AEW as much as I am, but it's I think it's they don't really put out the a clear line of what they're trying to do as a wrestling company. Like even if you look at like TNA when they were doing like a million million and a half viewers and they tried to go head to head the the clear view is like we want to beat wwe if you just want to be a wrestling company and make money doing tv and stuff just say that or don't say it just don't say anything about wwe why there's no reason for you guys to be in the fucking pissing battle all the time yeah i it's it's on a different stratosphere i it's kind of like all right the way I look at WWE is I don't even necessarily even look at them as a wrestling company. They're just a fucking company at this point. It's kind of like I don't I've never really necessarily thought of the Beatles as a rock band because they literally fucking played anything. They were just a band, you know? So you can be like I don't know. We we beat this one to death and I completely agree on everything that you said. I just uh, sometimes the things that Tony and his fans get mad at just make me annoyed. Um, and I, I just kind of usually roll my eyes. But. They're also taking a lot of the same missteps that companies that were not WWF did. So the the hardcore matches, the like the things that they're doing in a lot of ways are things that turn off like children and other people that would watch. Like if I'm a parent I'm not letting my kid watch fucking W or AEW. Like I have one clear choice, uh, which is WWE because it's a cleaner style of wrestling, right? There is a lot to be said about that. Like they're doing this as appealing to a very core audience that grew up during the time period that ECW and hardcore wrestling was relevant. And that kind of stuff, it, while it's fine. And and I would say Tony Khan sit down and actually watch, all of the Monday Night Raws from like 97 to 2000, because they're not as good as you remember in your mind. 
Yeah. <laughs> you're actually pretty bad and very offensive if you're a normal adjusted uh human. I just went for a run uh where I was rewatching stuff and I got to say I think I think the attitude era doesn't really get good until late 99 into 2000. Um a lot of the stuff before that was just Vince Russo doing fucking Crash TV. And he gets so much credit for doing that, but it's like no one tuned in for that shit. They tuned in for Stone Cold Steve Austin and Vince McMahon. Yeah, no one gave a fuck about or Choppy PP, all that shit. I mean, those are like weird, iconic moments because they're so grotesquely bad. (laughs) It's not something I would necessarily want to be associated with as a writer. You know what I mean? That Bash of the Beach, the death, the the Bash of the Beach fucking um, Dark Side of the Ring was just unbearable to watch these two guys like Eric Bischoff and Vince Russo, who single handedly killed a company. (laughs) Talk about one fucking thing for fucking hours. Disgusting, dude. It's like and uh, AEW, the thing that they did so well, which was giving you rest. That like really good, really really good wrestling matches. It gets dissolved when they start doing all the hardcore bullshit matches and funny kind of joke matches that they do. It's the shit that Jim Cornette bitches about. And while Jim Cornette is a little bit extreme about some of it, he's not wrong. Um, he's not 100% right, but he's not wrong. If you're doing that each week, you're there is a, a whole subset of audience that's just not interested in that. You know, like yeah, not everyone, like he says, not everyone wants to watch the fucking guy bite the chicken's head off at the fucking carnival. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things they could do better. But, yeah, as far as Tony Khan trying to say that they're bigger in some demographics, I would want to see whatever fucking numbers he has on that, because I, I'm going to call bullshit. Doesn't like WWE have like almost a billion fucking social media followers or something ridiculous like that. I was, I, I don't know what number that they would be bigger in any demographic. I don't know. Maybe we can get him on the show and ask him about it. Um, but he probably thing. listens to my cast. So we just end up yelling at each other the entire time. <laughs> yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it get awkward with him sometimes in interviews. Uh, and like, sometimes he doesn't even get pressing questions. It's, it's a decent question to ask, but, you know, if it's not the council that he invites to be at the end of his shows for softballs and shit like that. <laughs> Do you think Nick Hausman will be on the next? Uh... Never mind. Anyways, probably not. And neither will Dave Meltzer. He's been pissy with Dave lately. So it's kind of like. So you just want people to come there and. Play you. You want them to report. Yeah. <laughs> Like we would, ne- I would never get invited to this fucking <laughs> one of these press conference events. No, I would. Even if we had two million listeners, we would never get invited because there's good and bad things about AEW, and you have to also you have to talk about both. Yep, I agree. Um, a couple more details, probably two more things. Last night on SmackDown was a hell hell of a lot, but I just want to make. It, it, it looks almost like the Attitude Era again. Not as much, but there was a lot of signs in that audience. And the first person that came out happens to be a lot of signs for him. So apparently, 
I don't know if you've heard this, Chris. L.A. Knight is very fucking over. And uh, I'm very happy for him. I'm glad, like, with everything else, all the comments Shawn Michaels said about him. And, you know, he's getting his flowers. And he's getting, like, you know, you hear you hear the audience. Jay, Sammy, and fucking Cody are the three biggest baby faces in the company. L.A. Knight's getting up there when it comes to fucking audience just loving him, going along with everything. Michael Cole always having to go like, L.A. Knight's, people consider him a throwback. Blah, blah, blah. Like all that fucking dumb shit that he does. Just stop it. Stop comparing him. We don't have to even talk that he would have been perfect in the Attitude Era. He's he's there. Like we don't have to go too close to The Rock, even though he does a fucking elbow drop that's very similar to The Rock. But either way, Chris, is L.A. Knight over? Yeah, he's over as fuck. Um, I think that he's going to end up winning that battle royal. Has to. Uh, that would be stupid. And and they're going to have to do something with him. If it was me, I would I would maybe do him winning this battle royal, but eliminating a lot of people in the process of doing it to set up a big build for WrestleMania. Like Rumble, like he wins the Rumble, but he's known as the guy that's really good in these kind of matches. So you could kind of build that. If it was me, uh, he is he's over. Obviously, we have two split champions again, so you can do a storyline with him and Seth if you wanted to versus whatever Roman is locked into. Um, yeah, he's he's super fucking over. And me and you kind of knew that that was going to be the case if they ever gave gave the guy a fucking chance. The one time they give the guy the mic. He became super over in like like less than ten minutes, so it's it's kind of par for the course. He's a good wrestler. It's they're in a weird spot, and and this is a thing that I just praise them for. They're locked into whatever their ideas are, so I don't know if that's going to affect him negatively or not. But it's impossible to not see how fucking over L.A. Knight is uh, right now. I mean, the the name L.A. Knight's still stupid as shit, but whatever. Him as a person is over. Yeah, no, <clears throat> I agree. And somehow, I mean, it's because it's the same concept as Eli Drake. He's still getting it to work with the audience. So I even I, I agree it's stupid, but it's it's it all comes down to the person if they can handle it or not. And uh, he's doing a good job with it. If I if it was up to me to give him a next push like i love austin theory i've seen him for a long time obviously over in southern honor wrestling and in atlanta different shows you know he's great talent i just think he's getting stale i would have la knight go after austin theory get that title at some point and then maybe pivot to a feud with aj styles as a heel um for that title afterwards something like that uh, get some reps and build a storyline with someone. Uh, but I think the U.S. title would be good with L.A. Knight having it. Yeah. Sorry, I had to do it. <laughs> yeah, I agree, I agree with you. I think that they're that that's a great idea and something you could definitely do with him. If you, if you can't put him in the main event picture, that is definitely something you could do with him. But with him being as over as he is as a singles competitor, you would hope that the company would move him to the you know, the main event. I don't know where Randy Orton is, if he's officially retired, but I would love like a LA night, Randy Orton feud. Well, actually, you know, I was going to bring it up. Um, when we talk about the event, but 
apparently I heard that Triple H or someone went to speak to Randy Orton and uh, there's rumors that him and there's also rumors that Bray are going to be at SummerSlam tonight in some capacity. Now watch both of them not happen. That's wrestling fucking rumors for you. But I was hearing some stuff that, that they were checking to see if you'd be ready for SummerSlam. And I don't think Vince did, unless it was before his surgery, but like someone went over to his house and talked to him for a while to find out if they can set him up for something. So we'll see if it's tonight, but it doesn't sound like he was retiring. Because uh, who, who was – I don't remember. I think it was – it might have been Sean was talking about Randy and how he's actually doing really well, uh, you know, into his injury. And this was probably like a month ago. I don't remember. I don't know if we talked about it or not, but – so I'd love to see Randy Orton show up. Yeah, there's just been, you know, he's been apparently ready to go for like the past couple of months. So I thought it was more just like a mental thing for Randy of whether he wants to come back or not. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> I guess Cody could just go through the ruthless aggression era. He takes out Brock tonight and then Randy starts a fucking feud with him. And then it's him and Randy Orton for a while. I mean, I think the go-to for me would be him versus Riddle, right? Like to start start that back off, and then someone like LA Knight would be very interesting. LA Knight is very much as far as his WWE character goes, and this is why I always thought it would fucking work once he got a shot at doing what LA Knight does. He's very much Mr. Kennedy. Yes, absolutely. And Vince fucking loved Kennedy. He was going to strap a rocket to him, and things just didn't work out uh, in Kennedy's advantage. So. Like, LA Knight is someone to definitely keep an eye on as far as getting pushed because they are very similar, like both in ring wrestling, kind of the promos they cut, et cetera. Pat Austin, Half Point Johnson. Yeah, it, 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 is, it is that. Um, so I could, I could see him definitely if, if Orton comes back working a feud. I could also see Orton working a feud with Edge as well. Yeah. Get like a, a mania send off, but you got to have stuff in between here and mania, right? And there's a lot of stuff you could do with Orton and uh, LA Knight. It's incredible that that guy has gotten himself so over when they put him in a feud with fucking Bray Wyatt because that's usually death for whoever Bray Wyatt's in a feud with. Yeah, and um, like I was saying, the rumor is he's going to attack Roman Reigns after he beats Jey Uso tonight as the fiend. It's fucking I I've seen enough of Bray Wyatt to know I don't like him, Dave. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We have tried uh, so hard to give this guy multiple opportunities to prove me wrong, but he has uh he dude, has me and me and Mikey were talking about this. Uh big shout out to Hoax. How the hell is your father a collegiate wrestler in Mike Rotunda? Your brother is also a collegiate wrestler. Your uncle is Barry Windham. And your fucking grandfather, who I guess probably would have a similar style, more of a brawler, but is Black Jack Mulligan. Had some of the best sensibility uh, as far as what other wrestlers say uh, when it comes to in-ring psychology. Like, how the hell? I don't know. It's crazy. Are you speechless? Uh, no. I'm not, I'm not speechless. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. One, 
don't bring up the name Hopes. We don't need him fucking interfering with our fucking calls again. Oh yeah, that's a good point. That guy, that guy's terrifying. Um, and two, like the Bray, the thing about Bray Wyatt is the creepy gimmick is the only gimmick he knows how to do, and it hurts him as an overall wrestler because even Undertaker could adjust to a situation and be whatever that situation called for, you know, being the man in black, you know, like the Johnny cash man in black or for instance, with uh, where you had the match with uh, triple H and Sean was a special guest referee. That is a very different version of the undertaker or him versus uh, AJ, uh, you know, uh, AJ styles and that <laughs> fucking crazy ass, uh, match that they had that was the bone the bone yard or whatever the fuck they called it. I can't remember what the fuck they called it but um, Undertaker was always able to adjust Bray Wyatt doesn't have that ability and they let WWE try to do way too much with his fucking character like the the like bringing in Alexa Bliss to be part of that was really dumb. Doing the red, the lighting over top of his matches and shit. At some point, you just be like, you, as a wrestler, you should be like, that's not gonna fucking work. Well, not only that, I want I want fans of Bray to realize if he does come back to the as the Fiend tonight, he's not gonna be happy doing that because he doesn't want to do it. That he 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 was trying not to go back to that character beforehand when he came back so if there if he's and this was the rumor is that one of the reasons why he was injured but it was also great differences because they wanted him to go back to that character because it was popular and the fucking masks were making money and everything else was and bray didn't want anything to do with that so if he's the fiend tonight he's not going to be in a happy uh mood i don't think wrestling regardless well, just be, I mean, if, if you have to be the fiend be the fucking fiend though exactly. you know what i mean like don't you don't need all the mystical shit. Like, there's ways to talk around that stuff. Just be a badass. Like, put the mask on, demolish some guys, whatever, get the pin. It's fine. It's not his wrestling company. Yep. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> sometimes you're dealt a hand of shit. You got to make, you know, chicken salad out of chicken shit. Matt Bourne is a perfect example. I, I'm sure when Matt Bourne rolled into fucking WWF, he did not think that he was going to become Doink the Clown. It, it's up to you to take that character and turn it into whatever you want it to be. And if I was Bray, I would actually act or watch some of that early Matt Bourne um, shit. Like, just be scary. Kids are staring at you while you're walking down and getting their face, you know, a little bit. Like, tap into the Fiend being this scary entity that people liked, but... The biggest thing, and you've been saying this for a long time, is him when he's in the ring. So, and obviously we've talked about other wrestlers. You mentioned one earlier, Sandman. You can get around not being the best person in the ring. You just have to bring something, have good psychology, which he does. But, like, a lot of his stories just fucking suck. I mean, his match that he had with LA Knight, what was at the end of it? It was like a Snickers match, and then Bo Dallas was thrown off a fucking thing onto a crash pad. It was terrible. I know that's probably a lot of interference, and he probably blames Vince a lot for that, especially beforehand, before Triple H took over. But at some point, it comes back to you a little bit. It's it's really simple to fix the Fiend. Don't make him unbeatable. He doesn't have the size to be unbeatable, and he cannot work a match like a big man. He's not Undertaker. He's not Kane. 
He's not Lance Archer. He's not that size of being that kind of killer character. Um, now you can make him psychotic or uh, whatever you want to do with him, but you just need to figure a different way to do his matches. Cause like him, like scaring Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins, like pissing in the ring and stuff, like scared in a corner and shit. They're the same goddamn height and size. Like Bray is not. It, you put a mask on as Daniel Bryan said, when he wrestled Bray, which was the last good Bray match I've seen. I'm going to give all the, flowers to fucking daniel bryan on that it's yep. just you're just fucking you're just bray wyatt in a mask dog like but you can be bray wyatt in a mask and do all of your stuff if 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 the commentary and everything that's booked around it is not you're this unbeatable force because he is not an unbeatable force it, it, at some point he is a darker version of you know bray wyatt it's the same thing with the demon right Yep. Finn Balor's the demon, but he's still able to be, be beaten. Sometimes the ring explodes. It's, dude, that thing, too. <laughs> I think that we might see him tonight based on he's going against Seth seven years after he beat Seth for the fucking Universal Bell and then got injured. But the whole thing with the demon, when he explained it in NXT, he said it was basically war paint, that it was based off an Irish demon and that when he put it on, he just goes into a different mode. When he went to the main roster, it was like, he's now a demon, and he is possessed by this Irish mo-. Like, I remember the, the montages when he went to the fu- – it was just so stupid. It was like, why do you got to do that? Why do you got to dirty it up? Like, it made sense beforehand. I don't know. But, like, yeah. Bray- it's because they've been trying to recreate The Undertaker for, you know, 40 years, and they can't. Yeah, it's it would be better for the fiend to be inspired by people like or fictional characters like the Joker or I don't know, Leatherface or even like I was saying with the evil clown, like like Matt Bourne did with Doink, you know, John Wayne Gacy, like a creepy, creepy fucking dude that just, you know, unsettles you that maybe he is a serial killer. But like the whole fucking mystical shit. No. I'm I'm done. I actually liked a lot of they they got stupid because it it got less and less obviously you know from Bray, but like I liked the thing with the 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 haunted uh, shows like little segments that he was doing. Um, it's kind of like creepy pasta weird shit. It was like an evil peewee, obviously. The, uh, the fun I, the fun soldier yeah. shows or whatever. The Firefly Fun Funhouse. At first they were good, and then they just got bad bad like the right you could just tell was terrible but maybe if that character works i'm sorry like you said you work for fucking wwe they hired a superstar and you were closer to that when you were the fucking fiend and you were selling out so much shit and yeah it is about money so even if you can't be creative you should have fucking gone into horror when you were not there i don't know what to tell you so maybe just do your job I don't know. Is that I mean, cold? He, he, no, it's not cold because he had other contract opportunities. Like he could have worked in AEW or he could have worked in Japan. It's not like people were were not going to hire this guy. The The entire thing was, and he even teased doing that Kabuki demon mask and going to Japan or whatever and, and didn't do it. So like you made the choice to go back there and you know exactly what WWE is. WWE is not about giving wrestlers creative freedom. <laughs> no. 
They won superstars, and The Fiend, honestly, was different. You know how I know that as a fan? I don't know if this happened to you. I was having people go that just saw, like, on, on you know, Instagram or, or TikTok or something, they saw, like, that entrance that he first had, and they were like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, yeah, that's Bray Wyatt. But, like, I hadn't had to do that, so it kind of broke to mainstream, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know why he would have an issue going back to that character. He's got to just change it up somewhat, man. Does Jericho go back? Does it go back, man? I don't think so, man. He would almost be better coming back as cult leader Bray Wyatt in, like... That's fine, too. I I like that version of him as well. It made more sense. He was beatable. He had two big thugs on his side, right? Like, that works better. He just does not have the size to impose like the demonic type thing like a good example if bray wyatt was doing the same fiend gimmick but he was like brody king in the ring then you could believe it yeah like no, brody I- king is like the perfect example of like you know that 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 shitty group i don't like that group at all in AEW. i think it's it's fucking definitely worn its welcome out and it's not very good but Brody King is a character in that group. If you wanted to do something like that, like that, if you wanted to do this storyline they're doing with the Fiend or whatever, Brody King would be the guy to do it. Like someone like that, um, that is big, imposing, good in the ring. Bray is not any of those <laughs> those things. Well, I always, I always had the idea of him passing the Fiend, like kind of making another Wyatt family like thing. But passing the fiend to a bigger dude. And, you know, I kind of suggested Braun before. Doesn't have to necessarily be that person, but he can kind of be a talking point, tag with them, even treat him in, in a sort of way, like kind of like how Christian is with uh, Luchasaurus. Something like that. I don't know. There's there's things to do. I mean, you could just get Eric Rowan back, and then you put Braun, Eric, and him, and you just go back to the original Wyatt family. People would go nuts. Which is better than what they're doing with the fiend. So, yeah, I, I have no like the the idea of. I hope that the idea of the fiend showing up at this pay per view is kiboshed completely by Triple H because there's no way that I realize how bad it is and he doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that is a Vince thing to move merch versus a Triple H thing because uh, obviously. This guy has not been on TV for six months for a fucking reason. So if he changes it up, if he does something different, good, you know, but that, that is one character. Like I liked the Funhouse stuff. I thought they could have done something neat with it. Then they introduced the fiend and then they had like, he's pulling out giant comical hammers and shit. Like that cage match killed it. Basically it was doing really well. And then they got to that and I don't think he ever recovered. After that, that that fucking cage match with Seth with the giant mallet. God, that was terrible. And then the match they had in Saudi Arabia shortly after that was even worse. Yeah, they made him an unbeatable force and then had Goldberg beat him. It's like baffling. (laughs) So some of it is not Bray Wyatt's fault or whatever. Some of it is just like, this is what we want. But at the same goddamn time, like, give up on – like, he's a talented person. He's a, a good promo. Find something else for the guy to do because this shit's not working. There's a lot of people that are Fiend fans. 
out there. Uh, I will say that to me, Bray Wyatt is a shitty version of Raven and always kind of has been. So I, I am not as big on him, even though I've dressed as him as ho- uh, for Halloween. Uh, I am not as big on Bray in general. I don't think that he does the things that make you a dastardly heel. I think that he should have listened to Jake Roberts's advice on how to be that kind of person in the ring. And he's never done any of it. So I know a Bray Wyatt match is going to be like clothesline, clothesline, back body drop. Um, he's going to hit his little elbow and then he's going to try to do Sistrava like 17 times. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Uh, well, speaking about crazy characters, um, how do you like the new Shotzi Blackheart, Chris? Because uh, Bailey was talking on the Grayson Waller effect with EO, and she's definitely, uh, you know, she shaved her head, and Shotzi's now showing up with the fucking clippers like a maniac, laughing and chasing her around the whole entire arena and just beating the crap out of her. Uh, do you think this new uh, change of gimmick and lack of hair is going to help out Shotzi in the long run? I think if she has a really good feud with Bailey, it could. I, I felt like it had a very tank girl vibe to it because she's already associated with a tank. So I kind of dug it. And I like the idea of a hair match. Um, which seems to be what they're alluding at. So, yeah, I mean, they weren't doing dick all with Shotzi to, to begin with. So anything would be a, a better than what was given to her. Yeah, agreed. I agree. And, uh, you know, she still looks great with, a, a, you know, a bald head. So, well, she's not bald. She's shaved. So she's super short and black now. But, yeah, that's a weird conversation if you throw that in any other chat that's not wrestling related. You're like, she's not bald. She's shaved. <laughs> she's got uh, a different trim. Anyways. <laughs> she's got a low-key fade. <laughs> Just got a low key fade. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, no, I, I like Shotzi a lot. I, I think that you know her working with Bailey will probably be really good for her career as a professional wrestler. I, Bailey is probably the most underrated female wrestler in the business. Yes, absolutely. Either either her, or Gianna Parasu. I, I go back and forth on which one is the most underrated, but they're both so fucking good at what they do. And uh, it, you know, Bailey's in this kind of like almost a twilight of her career, which sounds ridiculous, but she hasn't had the time away and shit that like Charlotte has had, Becky has had, and like all these people. She's kind of like the John Cena OG of the women's division. Like she tore ACL and was back in like eight, like six months wrestling again, (laughs) you know, like it's Funny. You remember, I didn't like her at first. I thought she was annoying, but she's an incredible wrestler, and I loved her. I've definitely enjoyed her as a heel, but yeah, I, I agree. Bailey deserves some more flowers, if you will. Um, you want to preview Collision, the three matches they have listed for tonight, before we go over uh, SummerSlam? Yeah, I mean, we kind of talked about it already, but yeah, we can we can hit it real quick. Okay, TBS Championship match. Uh, Chris Statlander is not going to lose, but she should have an awesome match with Mercedes Martinez. And I'm glad to see Mercedes Martinez back in some capacity. So what do you think? I think it's going to be a good match. I think they don't need two women's titles. Uh, 
as the things that I pointed out. Like right now, if it was me and it was my company, Chris Statlander would be the champion because Jamie Hayter's out. I would not. I would not have these two belts unless you're doing like a weird brand split, which they haven't decided on doing, but they are fucking definitely alluding to it. Uh, well, with the multiple they, champions. They defend the AEW uh, Women's Championship on Dynamite, and they also uh, uh, defend the TNT or no, the TBS. No, no, which one? I'm fucking this up. It's it's the it's the men's world championship is usually on one program and then the TNT is on the other one because it's on TNT and then yeah so basically they do have two sets of titles and technically the men's now have a third title that CM Punk has and then you also have the international title and the uh, the tri- triple triplets is it triplets sure uh, all trios. These <laughs> See, you just pointed out exactly why, like, someone tuning in for the first time would be like, the fuck is this? Because <laughs> you couldn't remember what title belonged on which show and why one person would be on one show and not the other show. Uh, I, yeah. I know I bitch about brand splits, but at least with a brand split, you know, like, okay, well, this is what they do on that show. This is, this is, a, this is a WWE in AEW problem in a lot of ways, but... You know, WWE's done a lot better recently with their brand split and how they're handling the champions going forward. Whereas, like, AEW needs to confirm that they have a brand split. Yeah. Yeah. I, as, as far as far as the match goes, Chris Adler and Mercedes Martinez, that should be really good. No, they should have an awesome match, but I completely agree with you. Um. All right, so we have now. Third big match for the guys, uh, AEW World Tag Team Championship match. We got FTR going against, uh, and I actually, I've liked this tag team uh, the more we've seen them. But Big Bill and Brian Cage. So I actually expect this to be really good. I mean, Big Bill and Brian Cage, I think they're talented. Uh, they kind of like come off a little bit like, uh, like. Kmart, Kevin Nash, and Scott Steiner, but hey, that will probably add to the uh, the quality of the match because, I mean, FTR is basically, in a lot of ways, Minai Express meets the uh, the Brainbusters, but you know, whatever, doesn't matter. But uh, I'm just I'm gonna shut up now, just in case Brian Cage is listening. Brian Cage is a guy that doesn't work well in AEW for whatever reason. Um, but as far as the them as a tag team goes, like if I was if I had Big Bill. And I was going to throw him in a tag team with someone. I would kind of do what they did with Swerve previously with like Keith Lee, because I'd put Swerve with him. And they kind of teased that they were going to do that, uh, having, you know, Bill be like the guard, the, the security guard type character. I think that actually works better. And I would compare it. You, you brought the name up, Kevin Nash, like Kevin Nash, Shawn Michaels type situation. So I would do something more like that than what they do with Brian Cage. Uh, Brian Cage, for whatever reason, he just does not click with that audience and, and does not fit well, even though he was really good in Impact and had kind of a a very different run in Impact than he has had in AEW. I just I, the fans just don't seem to care about the guy, and I I think Brian Cage is a great wrestler. I think he has a good look. I I don't know how you could repackage him. It, it might be better for him to actually go somewhere else, honestly. 
You know, I, I wish that he would be someone to work out with WWE, but it, they're right now on a hiring freeze from everything that I hear. And also, I think he's tried out there before, but that seems you would think the destination for him. I just think that he struggles. It's a little it's it's part creative because he's had start and stop, start and stop. He'll be on for episodes. He'll be off randomly used, beaten for no reason against someone. Um, So it's a little bit of that, but it's also Brian not good on the fucking mic at all. I've always said this. He should and not with the promos, because you can say what you want about Ultimate Warriors promos. They might have been ridiculous, but they were intense and he was saying a lot of stuff and you know, it, it, Brian's just boring when it comes to that aspect. I would get a, a speaking person. I would have someone speaking for him, basically, like a manager or some shit uh, that, that would do it better and just have him pose and make faces, you know, scary faces and shit. Maybe put a mask on him and make him a luchador. I've said that a million times, too. But I don't know. It's a systemic problem with AEW, though, as far as it, when it comes to those kind of characters and how you would book them. You know what I mean? Like, like, like Lance Archer, um, like people and Lance Archer is better on the mic than Brian Cage. And he still kind of gets no love in that company. Uh, Hobbs is another good example. They don't know what's. Yeah, yeah, because like and, and the thing is, it's like, yes, they look big in AEW, but like Brian Cage, if he goes to WWE. He ain't that big dog. <laughs> He's wide. But he's not like, you know, he's not as big as uh, Roman. Roman's like fucking 6'4", 280 pounds or some shit. So it, it, it's one of those weird situations. That's probably why WWE's never brought him in, because he's just not that big. Like, he's smaller than Braun Breaker. And he also wrestles kind of an indie style where you need the big flash move for Brian Cage matches to look cool. You know what I mean? And that's kind of opposite yep. of what WWE does in a lot of ways. I, if I was him, I'd take my shit back to Impact. And I, well, I don't know. He may be getting paid like a stupid amount of money, <laughs> so maybe not. But yeah, they they got nothing for this guy to do in AEW. Um, big Bill, I, they've done a terrible job with as well. They just don't do big guys well in AEW because I because like the what. What he was doing in Impact, like Big Bill as a character and how they were kind of building it, was like kind of great. And then they brought him in and had had him have a match right off the bat with Wardlow, and it was like that's 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 the way you do it, right? You're making two monsters, uh, and then they've done nothing with him. So it's it's they don't care about that stuff. They just want to have like the Japan five star matches, but that's. Yep. Not- that's not how you book in America. <laughs> it's it's proven. Yeah, I I yeah, I agree with you. But it should be a fun match. I'm sure it'll do some crazy stuff. But I I agree with you. I think that when it comes to big guys or muscle dudes, I don't know. All right, so the main one, the real world championship match. That's what's listed that I'm reading right now. Uh, CM Punk, the champ, going against 2023 Owen Hart Foundation winner, absolute Ricky Starks. I feel like there's going to be shenanigans and maybe go in a direction. I don't know what, so that's interesting. But obviously, I think CM Punk's going to win. I 
I mean, what what the hell do you do with this concept? Uh, do you have MJF like even say anything about it or? But since he's like, I, I, I don't know. It's it's uh it's strange, but should be a good match. Yeah, I mean, I guess they do two title matches at the pay per view, right? Punk has one title, and that this is the problem with not having a clear brand split. And not addressing CM Punk leaving with the title. So shout out to WWE because CM Punk did leave with the title there. Yeah. In Chicago when he beat John Cena and then he was gone for four months. And what they did was they set up a tournament <laughs> to crown a new champion. And then when they came back, they did champion versus champion. This is like the opposite of like CM Punk came back. He never lost the belt. He was injured or whatever. it's confusing. It's definitely confusing to an average viewer because if you think about championships in any other sport, uh, if you can't defend it, then you don't have that title. You have to relinquish it. Yep. I don't know, man. (laughs) I I don't expect that match to be very good because, like I said, they, they just don't have chemistry together. Uh, and that's not a shot at either guy. They just like the the first match I watched with them, I was like, I just it was fine, but it wasn't very good. And it, it's not a size thing because Punk and Darby had a great match together, right? Yeah, that was another good match with them. Um, <sighs> yep, I agree. But should be a slam. Should be just a load of fun tonight. But the thing I'll be mainly paying attention to, honestly, we got SummerSlam, which is arguably the second biggest show from WWE, uh, at least the non-gimmick ones, since the other, you know, I guess if you count Survivor Series and Miami Bank, Rumble, this is SummerSlam Mania generally are your just big bunch of matches that mean stuff. I don't know what the fuck I'm trying to say. Anyways, we're going to do our predictions before we get out of here. We've got 25 man battle royal. Um, don't really know exactly. It just you win this and you get like a lifetime supply of slum gems. Apparently, I don't know. Probably not. That'd be kind of cool though. But after a while, you'd be like, "Fuck this bullshit!" Like, give it away. Maybe sell it to gas stations. That would probably be the smart <laughs> route to go. Anyways, I, I absolutely love the fuck out of the fact that WWE has somehow gotten a slim gem sponsorship again, and I am like. If LA Knight wins this thing, is he new to the Slim Jim guy? Because that would be amazing if we get new Slim Jim commercials with LA Knight being like, yeah! <laughs> I think so. I think, yeah, I think he will. That would be pretty awesome if we got some LA Knight commercials. Um, all right, so the first match that's listed, like I said, is that Battle Royal. And the people that have been announced for it, 17 out of 25, LA Knight, Sheamus, Tommaso Ciampa, Shinsuke Nakamura, Otis, Chad Gable, Karrion Cross, Grayson Waller, Matt Riddle, Santos Escobar, IJ Styles, The Miz, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, Butch, Ridge Holland, and Austin Theory. And yeah, I mean, here's the thing. If LA Knight doesn't win this, I don't I don't I don't know what the fuck the point of this thing is. If if LA Knight doesn't win it, that means they brought up someone from NXT. Is the way I've looked to that lineup. So like yeah. Braun Breaker, Braun Breaker or Elia can win it, right? That's a good point. But right. 
you know, other than that, the people that are in there, none of them need a battle royal win. So you would you would think that LA Knight would be the guy that gets the win. And also, if you're going to do Slim Jim commercials going forward, LA Knight's the guy to do it. I can hear him say, snap into it. Yeah. Dude, that would be so awesome. Slim Jim commercials. That would be great. Yeah, they really are like, okay, so WCW was sponsored by Snickers and Slim Jim. They had a pay-per-view not that long ago that was Snickers, and now I got the Slim Jims back. So, nice. It's always good to see Slim Jim. We we are we are back to the nineties. If I'm AEW, I'm calling Sprite like all day to get a new <laughs> Sting commercial. Do you remember that commercial where Sting like beats up all the children because of yeah. Sprite? They could redo it, but have like now Sting do it. Yeah, so, like older Sting beat the crap yeah. out of kids. Man, I miss good wrestling tie-ins. I also miss the Burning Fat with Stacker Two commercials. Um, yep. <laughs> do you remember those Triple H out here with this sledge? Yeah, I'm jacked, brother. Burning, I'm burning, burning fat will stack too. Kids, kids nowadays don't know about <laughs> know them about sponsored. this. With they them watching them. on the network, <laughs> the network doesn't give you all the dope sponsorship ads that used to happen. It is fun to see something like that. Like a older commercial, they have like a part of their thing and they play it. It's, a, it's craziness. But uh, let's. I, I went a little bit of a nostalgia trip last weekend, and I was watching. Um, there's this guy. I'll, I'll send. I'll actually send it to you. <laughs> uploads entire VHS copies of where parents would record all of the uh, Saturday Sunday morning cartoons. And it still has all the local ads and stuff in it. It's kind of a a weird, weird thing. Hell yeah. Definitely want to check that out. All right. We talked about it. Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler. Shayna's got to win. How the hell would it help Shayna Baszler if Honda's leaving and she doesn't get this win? So I'm assuming Ronda Rousey's losing and going out gracefully. And uh, yeah. Yeah, not sure how I feel on this match. Uh, and we talked about it kind of earlier, but I don't have a hard opinion either way. All right. Well, next we have the inter intercontinental. Okay, let me let me try to say that intercontinental championship match between Gunther, the champ, with Imperium, Ludwig Kaiser, and Giovanni Vinci. Uh, going against Mr. Drew McIntyre. And uh, Chris, I, you know, I I feel bad for Drew because uh, there's no fucking way he's beating Gunther. What, this is another situation. If if Drew somehow beats Gunther, that's stupid. Like, who even gives a shit if he has the IC belt? And Gunther has two more people that in two more months, if he gets that further, he has the new record. So... Um, I'm pretty sure Drew's taking another L, which he seems to do a lot. Yeah, this one's kind of weird because, like, do you break the streak before it gets the record or whatever? Um, and do you try to rebuild Drew? 
I, I'm kind of with you. I think Gunther is going to win this match. Should be that this probably will be the best match on the show. At least the I, most physical. I, I expect these guys to beat the shit out of each other. But I don't. As, as far as like, there there could be an argument made both ways of who should walk away champion. I just you know you're so close to breaking the honky tonk streak. Like no one wants their streak to be the honky tonk man, honestly. <laughs> So that would be my my debate on <laughs> on him retaining here. It's just because no one wants the Honky Talk Man to retain that streak. Honky Talk Man was terrible, by the way. <laughs> I agree. Never was a big fan of his at all. Um, I actually was a big fan. Remember watching? I don't know if it was on a tape or live. I'm pretty sure it was on a tape. My dad, actually, if anyone wants to know what we used to do in the archaic times of the early 90s, would just record stuff off the television using a VHS. And then I would go back and watch those things a million times. It was terrible quality. That's what we did. We walked to fucking school in five miles in the pouring rain with no shoes. Then we traded our tapes for Japanese tapes. And we went back home five miles uphill. In the pouring rain, we popped that thing in the, the VHS player, and we got to see a Muda match. That was <laughs> exactly that was the only way to do it. It's just you know, but God damn it. Anyways, where the fuck was I going with this? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just I'm just thinking about tape trading now. <laughs> oh God. All right. Anyways, so next match. <laughs> Ricochet, Logan Paul. It's another situation where it sucks that Ricochet is going to take an L, but Logan needs a win. We already talked about it. I expect him to win, and I'm sure they're going to do something very memorable in some way, just for Christ's sakes. Since Logan is a little less experienced, just a little, um, don't do anything fucking so, like super crazy, like what you did at that uh, TLC match or um, Money in the Bank match. What's well, just a normal singles match, so no one will have to fall off a ladder, land on the ropes, and then do like a fucking Spanish fly. Though I do expect them to do a Spanish fly in this match. They're going to do it from the inside of the ring to the announce uh, table, but they're not going to make it, and we'll just like fall on the ground. <laughs> I don't. Th- I think they'll just do it in the center of the ring, hopefully. <laughs> but, uh, I I would say this is going to be kind of. If I had to guess, and they're going to let Ricochet kind of run ring general this will be very much like will osprey versus ricochet so there'll be a big opening segment of them both doing athletic things and then get into the wrestling match uh i have will Os- or not will osprey i have a uh, ricochet winning or, or losing this match to logan paul because logan paul has not won a match since being wwe yeah kind of a rack up some wins um, but th- this necessarily doesn't have to be the end of their feud, uh, depending on this match. It's really good. Keep on going with it for a little while. Um, so we got Oscar, Charlotte, Bianca. Me and you both are not the biggest fan of triple threats, but once in a while you get a situation where it's three competitors that are so top level that it ends up working out and uh, flowing really well. You know, Brian Danielson, Edge, and Roman Reigns comes to mind. Um, but I, I think that Charlotte's going to win this. I think she's going to be a 15 
time champion now being tied with her father because they've been wanting to do that. And uh, Bianca might go heel at the end of it and just, you know, snap. And with what's going on with the new truth business and the fact that last night uh, we had, uh, what the fuck's her name? Montez Ford and Angela Dawkins come out and beat up everyone with suits on. Now they're a part of it. You know, I mean, Montez's wife is Bianca, so if she goes heels, she can have that as a uh, a place, possibly. So, I don't know. Uh, interesting stuff, nonetheless, though. But, unfortunately, I don't think Asuka's going to retain, either way. I think Asuka's going to retain. Okay. I think that she's going to hold the title, and then the feud is going to be Bianca versus Charlotte, but without the title. And the only reason I say that is Charlotte picking it up for a 15-time right now. I, I feel like they may want to wait on that until they have like a clear build of who they have the next star that she could put over. Um, to win the media. Yeah, at, to win it again for the 16th time to tie her father's record. Um, and also, like, didn't they say that she hasn't won the title that much? Like, they took away the NXT titles, and now they're back? I have that. No yeah, they're, like, she's won the belt 15 times, and then, like, they took away, like, the NXT title wins, and then it was like, it's 13 times, so I just don't... Well, don't she said this will be the 15th time if she wins it tonight. Yeah, so she's including the NXT belts, which WWE commentary stripped away from her last time this conversation was held. Fucking bizarre, man. Um, All right. Cody Rhodes, Brock Lesnar. Cody doesn't win this. I'm going to start wondering some shit. It just seems like Brock, you know, the first time he had him in the Kimura, Cody ended up being able to maneuver to get him in a pin. Kind of fluke victory second time. Brock destroys him, quote-unquote, you know, breaks his already broken arm that he broke, if you will. If you will, uh, beats him in front of his mom, you know, and now Cody has gotten to the point where he's more enraged and less scared. I just think that somehow he's going to slay the beast. I think this is kind of like Cody's Andre moment. He's got to, like, get over this big monster past wrestler. And then move on to maybe Randy Orton or whoever uh, to keep on building him as a baby face until we get the Rumble so that he can win Rumble two years in a row and go to WrestleMania to take that title off of Roman Reigns. Still on that. And it will it will not change, damn it. Well, actually, I, I, I don't know, Chris. If he loses to Brock tonight, I'm going to be like, huh. I don't know. Yeah, I think he's going to win against Brock tonight. And it needs to be a clean win, honestly. So I would think that they're going to do a lot of stuff on the outside early. Brock gets hurt. He goes through one of the fucking barricades or something like they've done with Brock in the past to set up Cody realistically beating, you know, Brock. Um, yeah, so I have Cody going over in that match. Yeah, that's that's. Like I said, if that doesn't happen, I'm going to be very confused. Um, probably looking like the uh, Black Gentleman, Brock, uh, and Brock Beat Brock. Undertaker. You know what I'm talking about? I have that face where my eyes are bulging out of my head. So I was watching this um, 
who is Mr. SummerSlam versus who is Mr. WrestleMania. Like Wrestling with Regret, I think you watched some of their stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were talking about Brock specifically, and they showed his record. He is 5-4 and at SummerSlam, so basically 50-50. But uh, if you remember, Brock's biggest moment at SummerSlam is he beat The Rock for the title as a rookie. So you could go either way with that, I guess. It it just depends. Um, I don't know that Brock has a place in the Triple H world of WWE, so I'm going to go with like him losing here. I think if he loses, and if if Cody beats Roman, a few they can easily go into right after that is all of a sudden, you know, when he's the next day on Raw. Raw after Mania with the title, doing a little thing. The crowd will go nuts if all of a sudden Brock Lesnar's music hits, and we haven't seen him since he lost at this WrestleMania or at this SummerSlam. So, you know, that could be like another. He's got to slay the beast again, but we don't really need Brock. I love Brock when he's around. I think he's always good to have. I've never been like, ah, you know, he's just he he worked his ass off when he was younger. He's one of the best. All around when it comes to most decorated with combat sports, but uh, fuck him. He's not allowed over here anymore because he doesn't wrestle enough for me. Brock is so he's just such a special athlete in general um, and, and very important. Like he kept WWE's head above water when they didn't have all of this good shit going that they have now. And people give that guy way too much shit, honestly. Um, if you're AEW or someone, if Brock's contract's coming up, you have to make a bid on it because like Brock versus like Daniel Bryan or Brock versus, you know, Kenny Omega or uh hangman or MJF, like Brock is a fucking attraction in a way that we haven't really seen since Dre the giant. I feel like you just put Brock in a match and people are going to watch it because Brock Lesnar's there. He's that. Andre, Yokozuna, that type of reaction that you get from that type of concept, you know? So, yeah, I agree with you. Um, And then last thing, our two championship matches, we got first one. This should be a great match. It's a tribal combat match, but hardcore match. Lazy booking. Just kidding. Um. But the tribal combat match for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Terrible name. Uh, And recognize who is the real tribal chief. Roman Reigns, Jey Uso. JB, his brother. And maybe that's reasoning for, you know, he had a grueling match with him last night on SmackDown. So he's not fucking winning against Roman. I love Jey. And Jey is over as hell. He really is. Um, and it's a situation similar to Sammy, where I'm not saying KO and Jimmy are both over as hell too, but I don't know. They they just they've they've done a good job building them specifically um, with these storylines. But he's not beating Roman. I just if that happens, I'm really fucking confused. Everything goes out the window if that happens. Um, who knows? I don't know. But I feel like Roman's got to win and. Something's got to happen afterwards. I'm not sure. But I, do have a, I have a slight, slight complaint to the build-up to this match that I didn't talk about, which is 
Roman downplaying the importance of the title in the tribal beads. Because he basically was like, I don't, I mean, it doesn't really matter if I lose either of these. Like the way he said that, it's like, well, no, it's like, it actually is super important. You've held the belt for <laughs> forever. It'd be a huge deal if you lost it. So with the way that they set that up, you kind of have to assume that Roman is going to just retain. Um, I would almost, because it's SummerSlam, I'd be curious to see if like, uh, you know, you get some run-ins or whatever and you get Rikishi showing up to deal with Solo or something. As like a moment in the match. Uh, But outside of that, yeah, I think Roman's just going to retain the thing. It should be a really good match. Unless that, who knows? Maybe, just saying, crazier things have happened. Um, they are going with definitely doing The Rock and Roman for WrestleMania. It's not going to be him and Cody. And The Rock causes him the championship or some shit, and Jay wins. I don't think any of that will happen. Um, I I personally don't know when the hell we'll see Rock back in WWE just because of all the stuff that we've talked about. He's involved in six million fucking movies and promotions and shit. And if he gets injured, it's not a it's 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 a big deal. Even though I'd love to see him have one last run. I'm not saying not, but yeah, I Roman's gonna beat Jay. I uh, yeah yeah, in like like you said, unless the Rock shows up or something, I, I don't see it any other way. Just because. Like, why would you – because the, the entire storyline, if The Rock is not going to be there, right, the storyline is Cody versus Roman headed into Mania. And, I mean, I, I know 100% for sure that they would pivot that if they could get The Rock for a time period to do this thing. But outside of that, like, why else would you switch the fucking belt? Um, now I do think that you could get some interesting stuff with, like I said, like Rikishi showing up or, you know, they'll, they're going to make the match fun. The match is going to be fun. It's probably, the ending is probably going to take fucking too long. This one thing about Roman Reigns matches that have become a little bit frustrating is like how long the fucking finish takes, uh, because yeah. it's an angle, but outside of that, I mean, I'm sure it'll be a pretty decent match and Roman will end up retaining at some point. Yep, I agree with you. All right, the other big match, our championship match. Which which champion is the world? I don't know. The other ones. It's the world heavyweight championship. See, a little more. Like, why do you have to put undisputed? Like, if the titles are together, they don't need that part anymore. You know, you don't have to say that. So you can just say WWE Universal Championship, but whatever. I'm just going to stop complaining. Anyways, world heavyweight championship match. This is seven years in the making, Chris. Seven years ago, Finn Balor as a demon had a grueling match with Seth. I actually really love the match. Um, definitely recommend going back. You know, honestly, Finn might be one of Seth's best as far as chemistry opponents. The more I think of it, they always have good matches. Anyways, Finn comes out as a demon. He's new to the main roster. He's been built up on NXT. Uh, and him and Seth have a awesome match. And Seth, unfortunately, with a, you know, buckle bomb to the outside, which Finn did not too long ago and was fucking ruthless and looked uh, doing it right back to Seth. And that's been part of the storyline building up is that 
You know, Finn keeps on getting, he gets screwed over by Damien on accident the last time. Um, he won the belt and had to give it up and has never got it back. Basically, what I'm trying to say is if you don't have Finn Balor win this match, you're fucking stupid. Because there's a lot more storyline naturally put into it if Damian Priest on his team has the fucking money in the bank and Finn has the championship and he's always constantly looking over his shoulder. I just he's had it for a while. He's had some matches. I don't I, I don't care about Seth as champion anymore. I like Seth. I like it better when he goes in more of aggressive reaction, like when they had that sh- stare down in the locker room between him and Finn. They got very personal or like how he reacted on that interview with uh, Matt Riddle. But it's kind of like what you're saying. The, the, the audience is fucking like it's, it's become like a what chant almost. And, and it's kind of the point where even Seth can't talk sometimes because they won't shut the fuck up. So that's annoying. He's not like Ric Flair. He was acting like he was going to be like, you know, John Cena with the U.S. belt. Like, he hasn't done that at all. Like, he's had pay-per-view matches. Or he complained about Roman doing that, you know? So I just don't think it's really necessary. I think there's a lot more in the long run you can do with Finn. I wouldn't have him have the championship for that long. I would have Damian take it off of him. But give him somewhat of a run. He never got to have a run with the title, and it's just kind of like, it seems like that's a smarter way. I know Finn's not as big of a character, but I think you could do more with that storyline than keeping it on Seth. I agree with you, but I also think that it's going to be, you know, the storyline is actually the breakup of their group. So Truth Martinez is probably going to come in and interfere or cost um, then the title, because I feel like that's where they're building to is actually a feud between those two people. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a true point too. They could execute that tonight and just change it up completely. I would just like to see a little bit of differences. I don't, I, I don't know. Pivot that championship to me, but we'll find out tonight. Actually, it's going to be in a couple hours. Probably going to, after this, take a nap and, get ready for it but uh, I think that's the show I just read a fact about Seth Rollins the reason that he chose the last name Rollins was a shout out to Henry Rollins oh I wouldn't think well I guess Tyler Black was was pretty punkish and didn't really (laughs) use the punk music yeah I was was going back because you were talking about entering chemistry to see who else the, the Ring of Honor time of which he was going going through, and that goes uh, a long way back. But I, w- I was trying to think of someone that hey, he had that good of chemistry with, but I think you might be right. Uh, outside of, like, um, Rocky Romero and him had really good chemistry, and then obviously Kevin Steen and El Generico during those days. I know that him and Austin Theory... Or not Austin Theory, Austin Aries had some bangers back in the day in Ring of Honor as well, but I've never seen those matches. Um, yeah, Ring of Honor, for those out there listening that have not watched Ring of Honor circa 20, like 2005 to 2012, it is, if, if you love great wrestling, it is a, a thing to behold, because all of the big stars that you know now and love, they kind of went through... <laughs> 
they went through that uh, Ring of Honor system. All of the top guys, they went through that kind of rigmarole. With maybe with the exception of I guess of a, like a Kenny Omega or Kazushi Okada, if you wanted to do that. But all of the top guys and a lot of a lot of the big companies were definitely from that time period of Ring of Honor. Yep, that's where all the uh, the legends came from, definitely. But I think that's it. I think that we had a pretty damn good show and ended up being longer and full of information for you guys. So I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we do this show usually once a week, record it on Saturday, get it out by like Monday. So definitely listen if you're a new listener and subscribe. Give us a five star rating. We'd appreciate it. Tell your friends about it. That would be cool. Uh, Chris, say goodbye to all the lovely people. Goodbye, all the lovely people out there. Hope that you enjoy uh, SummerSlam and uh, also watch Collision. That's coming out. And, uh, you know, shoot me spoilers about G1 because I have not kept up with it. You can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton on uh, Twitter, Christopher.R.Patton on Facebook and Instagram, whatever Twitter is called now. Sorry, Twitter X or whatever the fuck Elon Musk is doing out there uh, as the true heel of industries. Um, but either way, send us some messages. I would love to talk to you guys about wrestling and uh, any comments you have about any of the TV stuff we talked about. That'd also be fun. Yeah, exactly. And if you want to do the same thing with me, just hit me up. I'm Dane Alves on Facebook and Dane Alves 42 on Twitter. Also on Instagram. Just, you know, best me. Let's chat. Let's talk about some wrestling. But y'all have a good one. Enjoy whatever day you're listening to this and doing whatever you're doing. You know, have a good one. Listen to us next week. Let the Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you. And as always, peace out.